0: After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Character and Smallman. <sighs>
1: One. Welcome yeah, to Character really Smallman and Danny Mac. Happy uh, Thursday. It's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. If you haven't walked out the door yet, by the way, it's August 26th in St. Louis, and it is uh, 80 degrees, 80 degrees, and it was like 81 like at 6 a.m. this morning. Is this going to
2: be a, a disco Thursday?
1: Absolutely. Well, maybe it just has something to do, Michelle, with uh, the, the temperature outside.
2: I know, but I kind of like the idea of coming back from break with a disco song. Oh, disco I Thursday.
1: I do too. Disco Thursdays are good. <laughs> but this is more about.
0: Feeling hot, hot, hot. Hmm. Feeling
1: hot, hot, hot. Oh, no. I walk out this morning, you know, right after breakfast. I didn't have to ch- have a chance, guys, to finish my drink. It's so damn
3: hot. Milk was a bad choice.
2: Now, you do realize that we have a pretty famous musician here from St. Louis that has a pretty famous song about getting too hot. hot. It's
1: hot in here.
2: Yeah, do we have that? in here. And her. And her. Do we have that one? Uh,
1: I I don't have it. (laughs) (laughs) Randy doesn't have anything from prior to or (laughs) post-1980. Exactly. How about your Cardinals yesterday? Speaking of hot, Cardinals have won one in a row now with... uh, (laughs) They are. They're hot, Michelle. (laughs) Right?
2: One in a row. Yeah,
1: exactly. Dan? Yes, sir? You aren't disagreeing with me with the idea that the Cardinals are hot, are you? Well, they won one, and I don't think anybody wants to win the uh, second wild card. No, they certainly don't. And the Cardinals yesterday get a couple of homers from Paul Goldschmidt. The Tigers tie it in the ninth at 2-2. But the Cardinals in the 10th inning get the big hit from the rookie. The 2-1 pitch. Newt Barr hits it right side. Base hit!
3: The Cardinals
4: win it! The rookie comes through! Newt
0: Barr! First ever
1: walk-off hit! A beautiful thing. And the Cardinals, amazingly, remarkably, incredibly, stay in the hunt. So, last night... After the Cardinals were done, the Reds played and they lost to the Brewers four to one. The Padres played and they lost to the Dodgers five to three. So you wake up this morning and hey, the, the Cardinals—they're not great. They're a couple games over five hundred, but they're in the wild card race, and it's a wild card race that nobody appears to want. The second part of the Dodgers are 11 and a half up on the Reds for the first wild card spot. Then the Reds are a game ahead of the Padres, just one on the loss side, three and a half ahead of the Cardinals. And the, in the all-important loss column, the Cardinals are only two games behind the second spot. It's unbelievable.
2: It is. And I'm sure it's a (laughs) kind of a a confusing emotional place for fans to be in because the Cardinals are still very much in the hunt and very much could make a run here. But as you mentioned, only a handful of games over 500 doesn't really feel like the excitement that you would feel for the Cardinals to be in a postseason race. But here they are. Not really. Yeah.
4: How about the Padres now? They have lost for the 11th time in 13 games. You mentioned the uh, extra innings that they had last night at home. They went 2-for-24 with runners in scoring position. They stranded 18 runners in their ball game, And uh, it kind of felt like watching that game was like watching the Cardinals' homestand. Ineffective mm-hmm. with runners in scoring position, leaving too many runners on, uh, and figuring out a way to not win games. I mean, the, the Cardinals' home homescan- homestand now in... You know, you look at it, you you had the 6-0 road trip, you come home, you got Milwaukee, you're thinking, okay, you're going to make a run, this is it. Well, you dropped 2-3, probably could have won 2-3, you didn't. Then you dropped 2-3 against Pittsburgh, then you lose the first game against Detroit. So I, I think it's a disappointing homestand. But this is the, we say it again, probably the defining road trip coming yeah. up. You've got four with Pittsburgh, you should Take advantage of that. Then you've got Cincinnati head to head, and then you've got Milwaukee. So at least they're still in it. Makes it kind of fun to talk about it. They're three games above 500, and we'll see what happens tonight. And by the way, the,
1: you've got in the National League, you've got the Giants, the Dodgers, and the Brewers, and then you've got a massive gap, and then you've got a lot of meh. But the three teams in the National League that have. At a logical chance for a logical observer to be in the World Series are the Giants, Dodgers, and Brewers. Nobody in the National League East is that great. The Brewers are the only team in the Central that's really great, and the Padres have just kind of, like you said, Dan, fallen off the map with the loss of Hugh Darvish, and they fired their pitching coach, and they're just a mess. Yeah. And yeah, I, I can't imagine that they are going to turn things around after this stretch here.
2: They've won they've won two games since August eleventh. Right. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. And, free fall.
1: And, you know, when you fire a pitching coach with
4: five weeks left to me it reeks of Scapegoat, desperation. Um,
1: Especially when you you acquired, you, you got Jake Arrieta.
4: Right. <laughs> and then you fire the pitching coach. Right. It's not his Come fault. On. Yeah. Um, problem with the Cardinals on this stand. by the way. Uh, let's see if my numbers are correct. It was something like 13 for 64, 65 with runners in scoring position on the home stand. That's got to change.
1: It's got to change yeah. if yeah. you want to have a chance to win some of these games. Dan, you, you've given the numbers over the last few days, both on the broadcast and here with your show with BK in the 10 o'clock hour. But especially at this time of year, yep. whatever the sport is, you need your best guys to be your best guys. And Goldschmidt has been their best guy, but for Nolan ornato sure. has been far from their best guy.
4: He has. Uh, you know, last night or yesterday, he goes uh, 0 for 4 with an intentional walk, which then set up the, uh, the situation where they won the game. But um, he had three or four hits on the entire homestand. Bader had three or four hits on the entire homestand. I- I'll say this. You know, the Cardinals pitching actually has settled down, especially their Good. bullpen. Their yeah. bullpen has given them a chance to win some of these games. It's just they have not hit with runners in scoring position. I was shocked
1: yesterday when you gave the statistics for walks over the last month. Fewest in,
4: it,
3: baseball. It, in baseball.
2: Yeah, that was shocking. Yeah. In baseball. In baseball, yeah. You would have thought that.
1: I mean, it, I remember coming in
4: here and we were doing a show, guys, and it was the midway point of the season and the Cardinals were on pace for 700 walks. Mm-hmm. And now, in the last 30 days, they've got the fewest um, among anybody. Now, they two nights ago got, you know, felt like one of the games earlier in the year when they had six or seven walks. But to the greater point, it's just like when they pitch, they don't hit. And if they hit, they don't pitch. And that kind of sums up this year. Now, they did win yesterday. It was a sparse crowd for a number of reasons, but they did win the game. I mean, it was uh, that was a uh, crowd that. You don't see many like that at Bush Stadium.
2: It was shocking to me watching the game. Just huge, entire sections of the stadium completely empty. And I know as Randy opened the segment with, it's very hot. It's a day game. Kids are going back to school. People probably still concerned about COVID. But to your point, Dan, I don't remember a time really in my life where I've seen the stadium as empty as it's been.
4: Let me ask you guys this, though. If somebody would have given you tickets, would you have sat in a sun-drenched area of the ballpark?
2: You know what? That's a very good point. Probably not.
4: So we had a uh, one of our camera people it was so they they're standing on concrete and they're surrounded by concrete and took a measure of the heat. It was 158 Ooh. where she was standing. 158.
2: Ooh, no, thank you.
4: Our booth no, was you. over 100 degrees. So you you walk down into a certain area of our booth. There's not a lot of the um, the. Airflow and that kind of thing. Did you take your shirt off? No, I did not. I didn't want to make anybody sick. (laughs) Um, Ricky took his socks and shoes off and rolled up his pants. Smart move. Um, It was hot, man. It was really, really hot. And and, uh, you know, so that's part of it. The team has not been as entertaining as we'd like to see it. COVID is a part of it. Uh, Today game when it's 100 degrees out at 12:15.
1: I all those things. Um, You know, it was it was a sparse crowd, no question. I was in downtown St. Louis yesterday, but I was inside in a courtroom in the Carnahan Courthouse, uh, the Missouri Courthouse. Uh, Judge Christopher McGraw listening to arguments from the National Football League asking for summary judgment to dismiss St. Louis's case against the NFL. He'll rule on this later, but... The way things were laid out by the NFL apparently were identical to the way the NFL laid things out with the exact same quote-unquote facts that they utilized four years ago in asking for a dismissal of the case. With the same judge, my anticipation would be that this case will continue to go forward. There were a couple of interesting points that the NFL made, which struck me. One of them, and I think this was the quote of the day. In the NFL's relocation guidelines, it says that teams have an obligation to communicate with communities and to negotiate in good faith. The NFL attorney said that obligation to negotiate in good faith is not a promise. It's a suggestion, is what he said. He didn't say it was a suggestion. The line was, the the direct quote, an obligation to negotiate in good faith is not a promise.
2: Well, I just Googled obligation, and the actual definition is an act or course of action to which a person is morally or legally bound, a duty or commitment.
1: <laughs> so this is what the NFL are, uh, attorneys are trying to parse. They're trying to say, well, yeah. So they're we, going to go against their own bylaws. Exactly. And they the once again went completely against what Roger Goodell said uh, in regards to teams do have an obligation to negotiate with their communities. We want to keep teams in their own markets. What they're saying here, on the record, these attorneys, is 100% against and 180 degrees from what Roger Goodell has consistently said. And they are protected by
4: antitrust laws. So, but if this they, isn't an antitrust I understood that. But, I mean, if they are going against bylaws that they are protected by, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Right. If they're going against their own bylaws, but yet they're protected under antitrust, I mean, doesn't that come into a,
1: a, to play at, at some point? At some point, you would think that antitrust attorneys... You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, antitrust attorneys, you would think, would jump all over it, in large part because these relocation guidelines were a suggestion of the Senate. That's what when I'm saying. When the Raiders moved back in the 80s, the NFL went and said, This guy just moved and we couldn't stop him. How do we set things up so that we can protect our antitrust exemption and prevent teams from moving? And the senators essentially came up with this language and these relocation guidelines. And now the NFL says, well, yeah, they're basically suggestions. And one of the things that one of the NFL attorneys said yesterday, that these relocation guidelines, again, quote, this is not a document that is written for use in a court of law.
2: That makes no sense.
1: No, because this is all a product of courts of law. Yeah. Right now. They they do certainly have the right to determine how their business is run. But to say that these guidelines are not to be used in a court of law, if if they wanted to go to a court of law against a team that they didn't want to move. They would use these guidelines and say that the team didn't abide by these guidelines.
2: Also, doesn't that feel like a big L from their legal team if they wrote up these guidelines and they didn't make sure that they were admissible in a court of law? If you're dealing with billions of dollars and this is a business transaction, shouldn't the parameters with which you're allowing teams to move or to build these stadiums be... Uh, protected or or be available to present in a court of law if need be?
1: Otherwise, why have them,
2: right? (laughs) Why have them? So Uh,
1: what's the next uh, step here? Well, Judge McGraw will have to uh, rule on this uh, request for summary judgment. I can't imagine that it'll go any other way but forward. And then next week on the 30th, the NFL is going to request a change of venue and It can only go to a surrounding county So even if they get their change of venue Out of the city of St. Louis They'll get the county of St. Louis They'll get Jefferson County They'll get St. Charles County They'll get a neighboring county Will it wind up in Jackson County? Will it wind up across the state in Kansas City Or in Boone County? No, it'll be in a neighboring county The the way I couch it is the case will be heard within the one oh one ESPN listening. Area. <laughs> That's all that matters to you. <laughs> yep. Yeah.
4: So when will this uh, national nightmare end? What do you think? So by January, we should
1: have this thing rolling, right? January, we'll have the trial rolling. And in talking to every single attorney in, that was in the courtroom yesterday on the St. Louis side, they all feel good about it. They all feel really good about where they are. And these are good attorneys. And... By the way, the the NFL attorneys, it's been made clear by the judge. As a matter of fact, early on in the in the case, in one of the hearings, the NFL attorneys were reprimanded for trying to go back to the lease. And yesterday they still go back to the lease. And they say that St. Louis could have protected themselves if they would have just paid the seven hundred million dollars to extend the lease at the Dome for 10 more years. They don't understand that nothing about this case has anything to do with the Dome lease. Everything about this case is after January 12th of 2016. And for some reason, the NFL can't seem to get that through their heads.
2: Well, it seems like they're approaching this the way that they've approached everything in regards to St. Louis and regards to this entire saga where they think they can just say whatever they want and that it's going to work out in their favor because they're contradicting themselves left and right.
1: You you hit the nail on the head. It's a it's like they're spitballing. It's like they're throwing things at a wall and hoping something sticks. So this was open to uh, the public
4: yesterday, and uh, I am curious about, because I think we all want to see that uh, if you're following this or was a uh, you were a Rams fan or whatever the case may be or you want the best for the city you want to see the the city win this thing and and obviously the Rams lose and Crocky lose but I think for a lot of us we also want to see them get exposed so yep. I am curious about like national media or anybody really taking a hard look
1: at this and understanding what's going on well our buddy Jeremy Rutherford was there representing the athletic and Daniel Kaplan from the athletic is very interested in this I know they Daniel Kaplan, no, yeah. Jr. was there for the on athletic. His okay, got it. it. Uh, our friend Seth Wickersham wasn't there, but I know he's keeping a close eye on things. And so nationally, this is going to be a big story, and there will be a big crowd once this thing starts up in January. There will be a pretty significant presence. And by the way, as the league asks for asks for a change of venue next week, there is significant interest, obviously, on the part of the public in this case, and there's also. Uh, to me, at least, uh, a, a public interest in what happens with this case. The NFL is asking for next week's hearing for change of venue to be closed. I don't know why, but my hope would be that Judge McGraw, because of the public interest in this case, will keep that hearing open. And I want to see it.
2: They likely want it to be closed because they want to set a precedent that it should well, all be closed, right?
1: I, I can... That and I think they just want to complain about people like Ben Fredrickson at the Post and Randy Carricker who are hearing all of this stuff and they they don't want it out there. A, what they've done and B, kind of how bad they're doing at their job. It's, so I'll, I'll be interested to see if uh, their request to close this hearing next week goes through. We're off and running on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Dan, Randy, coming up, get your text in for sick of it on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
1: Greg Singer, MLB Network, coming up at the bottom of the hour. We're going to talk to Jeremy Rutherford in the 8 o'clock hour, and then at 9.30, Ready? St. Louis's coach Dick Vermeil, finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, will join us. He's out in California, so he'll join us towards the end of the show. Michelle, Dan, and Randy, and it's time for Sick of It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service, text line 65780. Kids, last night, Dodgers and Padres, 16 innings, 7 extra innings. That means there were... Seven opportunities for each team to bunt a runner from second to third to start an extra inning. Guess how many sec- successful bunts there were in the seven extra innings that these two teams played. Just take a guess. I'll say zero.
2: Yeah, was it zero? It was zero. <laughs> wow.
1: It was zero. Not one successful bunt to move a runner to third with less than two out in seven extra innings. The fact that Major League Baseball players can not bunt i'm sick of it
2: that's a good one
1: that yep. is really good
2: why don't they it seems it seems They'll so try. obvious you got
1: they're trying to hit home runs Be,
4: I, I think randy your question is great why can't they and your question is uh are the, your answer is right is that they can't and I, I think it goes back to think about when these young kids are signed Okay, so what are you looking for if you're an organization? What do we always talk about? Launch angle, slug, home runs. We don't ever hear, boy, I, we drafted a kid that can really fly and knows how to bunt. That, And I'm not saying that other teams would do that in the past. But what I am saying is that are you asked, let's say even at the high school level, and I do think it happens there. I do think it happens to an extent with college. But for those kids to advance to go on to the pro game, That's not what the game is anymore. It is about launch
1: angle, slug, and home runs. So you're just not taught to bunt. Dan, you and I, and a lot of Cardinal fans got down to the ballpark early to watch Mark McGuire's batting practice a million times. What was the first thing he did every time he stepped into that net? Sure. Button. He bunted. Yeah. Mark McGuire. (laughs) Yeah. It was just watching the ball into the bat. Watching it into, you know, deadening it and knowing how to do it. He never had to do it. They never would have asked him to do it. But if he needed to do it, he could have.
4: Yes. Um, I also think that we have gotten to the point of Do do guys know how to play? Meaning, like, um, not only is it bunting, but base running. So, you know what won the game for the Cardinals yesterday? I mean, honestly, what happened yesterday. So, to me, when you get into extra innings on the road, and I don't know if you guys agree with this, so you start your runner at second, you're playing with house money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... I would like to see Bunn. I want to. I want to get that run in and put the pressure on the home team to score. And the play of the day for me yesterday was they had a runner at second base. Detroit did to start the inning. Jonathan Scope comes up and hits a fly ball to deep right field that uh, Dylan Carlson made a really good play on. And no one's talking about it this morning because we're talking about Newpar and you know they they scratched and clawed and all this different stuff and won the game. Okay, great. The guy at second, who was uh, Castro, who had tied the game up and was the runner at second because Soto, the pitcher, was in the first spot. So you don't run the, the pitcher. You get to run the position player. Um, doesn't tag up. And I'm thinking to myself, does anybody know how to play the game? Unreal. So if the ball goes over Dylan Carlson's head, Okay so just think about this logically and if you're a base runner you're thinking through everything okay ball hit left side what am I doing third baseman's back it's Nolan Arenado can I beat him to the bag ball hit to short ball in the hole I'm going to third ball on the right side I'm advancing if there's a bunt I'm advancing got to make sure it's down what happens on a ball to right center or right field on the fly and certainly one that is hit to the track so if he doesn't make the catch it's over his head I'm at least a third if not score Mm -hmm. if he catches is it i tag up and i go to third with and now the infield is in and it's a different game it's terrible base yeah, running it, that w- they gave the cardinals the game at that point yeah sorry i, I that's nope, I, what you're sick good. of too I'm, i am <laughs> just kidding that's <laughs> that was, my sick of it that was really Learned good some base running <laughs> you here. are sick yeah. of it
2: too okay well i'm gonna pivot and go to college football or really just collegiate athletics as a whole seeing sec commissioner greg sankey comment about the alliance between the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 yesterday. I'm just sick of what a hot mess college athletics is right now. And I'm wondering where the parent in the room is, a.k.a. the NCAA. It just seems like the NCAA has nothing to do with any of this anymore. It's just a a shadow organization at this point. And it's really ridiculous that we have gotten to this point where the SEC is poaching members from the Big 12. The Big 12 is getting left out. Now we have alliances between three other conferences. It's a hot mess, and I'm sick of it.
1: It's a good thing to be sick of. And that should have been the NCAA's job to oversee all of what could become a mess. But Mark Emmert, the director of the NCAA, is completely ineffective. And so essentially Sankey has taken over as the most powerful person in college sports and he's consuming power. I would agree that he's the most
4: powerful guy because yeah. football drives the bus, Yep. Mm-hmm. and they're the most powerful conference, and they're adding two major powerhouses in Texas and Oklahoma. Now you think about your TV deal as you advance it with those guys when your current TV deal is up. It's massive. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder, though, if the NCAA should have seen this coming before and probably did, and I don't know what they had to try to step in and, and make sure that this didn't happen, but Really, you have to go back to the Big East to me in basketball when you started seeing the alignment way back when and what TV could do for your conference and for your schools. And why wasn't this done earlier by certain schools? Probably contractually very hard to do. But then you saw it with the ACC, and now you're seeing it in in college football, and you're going to get these alignments, and you have to wonder, with that, what is the place or purpose of the NCAA going forward?
1: Right. Is this going to be the end of the NCAA? And is there going to be, and I would guess that they'll still be able to generate the funds from the NCAA basketball tournament because the Power Five conferences really don't care about it. We were talking to an executive from a conference in Canton mm-hmm. who said that when they negotiate their TV deals, essentially, it's 85% for football, 15% for basketball. So what does that
4: mean? Um, and I would love to, to talk to Chris May. Chris May is Awesome. Mm-hmm. The AD at SLU. I absolutely love him. He's a great friend. I am curious what it means to some of those schools that aren't aligned with football, but yet it, yeah. basketball drives the bus for them. Mm-hmm. You know, where can they get in? Or is there going to be like a power basketball conference that you can get in potentially?
1: Let's get a couple of texts in. 65780. Emily, what do you got for us?
2: From the 636, I will always be sick of those who stabbed Tommy Pham. Oh, stop stabbing Tommy Pham.
1: Right. Yeah, I'm sick of those. Did he, get, he didn't get stabbed again, did Just he? two times. All right.
2: That we know. Of.
1: Been stabbed.
4: All right, Tommy's got the longest home run hit in uh, baseball until yesterday. Yeah, he he had one last week that was monstrous. He's like four hundred and fifty something, and then Miguel Sano hit one 495? Like, yeah, it was like almost five hundred last night at Boston. It was a bomb.
2: From the three one four, sick of character whining about the NFL. Wow, let Ooh. it go. Wow, shots fired. Randall,
4: let it go. You know what? Hold on, Emily. If you if you don't know mind, I know Please this stand. is your show. No, it's
2: our show. Go but for it.
4: I. Randall the NFL And what has happened to you has been very very tough I think you would agree with that I would agree You have the platform to answer said uh, texter
1: And I want you to go for it You can be sick of it You're allowed to be sick of it
5: I didn't. File. I want a little Uncle yeah. Randy in this yeah. too.
1: I I did not file a lawsuit, but I do take pride in my community. I do get sick of being told that I am a bad fan. I do get tired of an executive from a franchise that's trying to move emailing the St. Louis murder rate and credit rating to the league. St. Louis was done wrong here, and if if you care, if you don't care about St. Louis, then I can see how you'd say, "Let it go, don't worry about it." But if, if you care about your community, if you care about yourself, if you have any self-respect as a sports fan, then you would concern yourself with it.
2: Ooh, hoo, hoo. That's you know, a hot take. This seems like a text from like someone it. who lives in St. Louis and is still a Rams fan and needs the justification because that happens a lot. Well. Well, not a lot because there's very few of them left, but...
0: Yeah, right.
2: Those people need to to feel like you're whining about it because they need to justify why they're cheering for a team that doesn't want them. Which is
1: fine. Everybody's entitled to their opinions. It's, sure. a, it's a great thing. But uh, if you are paying attention to this, doesn't matter who you're a fan of, but if you are just a fan of like the right thing being morally right or being morally bankrupt and you're paying attention to this if you're a fan of morally bankrupt that's cool but that's not the way i'm rolling with this situation thanks emily thank you, you and, and, yeah <laughs> thanks for your text to the air comfort service text line
2: 65780
1: yeah. greg
0: amsinger coming your way next on 101 espn we are right back to the Character and smallman podcast on 101 espn <laughs> Michelle, Danny, Mack, and Randy, and we
1: head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and our guy, St. Louis native, a product of the Lindenwood University, the one and only Greg Amsinger, lead anchor for MLB Network, is with us. Good morning, sir. How are you doing?
6: Oh, I'm doing well. You know, I'm high on baseball right now. I, I literally, I literally stayed up for every single out of that game last night. I went to bed four and a half hours ago. I channeled I channeled my inner Randy character. Listen to this. So I, I know how it is. I mean, Dan, you've done this a million times. You're stuck on the West Coast. Your your internal clock. You're rotting in the booth that you have to call this game for six hours. So I start texting Dan Schulman, a good friend of mine, while he's on the air his immense talent of texting me witty things while he's speaking and calling a baseball game was impeccable my back and forth was amazing after the 15th inning i have a text from him that says my god i need pizza and coffee so bad and i died <laughs> laughing it was one of the best nights ever i had a great time
1: and danny mac is as proficient at that Aspect of the game as anybody, Greg. So, <laughs> it, oh, yeah. If, if you text Danny during a game, you are going to get a great, witty response. <laughs> well, the way I always looked at it, uh,
4: Greg, it was either that or I talked to Al. So I just figured I'd uh, text. Now, I'm just kidding, Al,
1: if you're listening.
6: <laughs> I always wondered that. I always wondered. Uh, thank you for taking me behind the curtain. That's good. You got so, it. Uh,
1: we have a segment before you, Greg, and it's called Sick of It. And what I said was that. We had seven extra innings with a runner at second and nobody out to start innings and zero successful bunts in those first seven innings of all seven innings of that game. And I said, that's what I'm sick of. Why is it that we don't see somebody bunt that runner at second over to third and get a runner at third with less than two out?
6: Uh, Because it doesn't help the average exit velocity for that guy. It doesn't help his his on-base percentage and his OPS. And at the end of the day, when he goes to arbitration, that's the only thing that matters. Watching Trent Grisham last night go up and bunt and pop this thing up, and it went right to third base. And and he looked like, if you've ever made your child mow the lawn, and they do like a really half-ass job that that and they pout the entire time and you're like you know what just give me the lawnmower I'm gonna do it myself that's what Trent Grisham looked like last night having to bunt he walked what a away, description pouting. that was <laughs> man and this is on four hours of sleep dad imagine if i slept Good all job. Night. no i i'm telling you trent it's all it's widespread baseball players don't want to do it if you watch them take bp they all just don't care while they're doing it and, and and it's annoying to watch i mean we all grew up loving the way baseball used to be it was a chess match get the guy over, get him in, and those days are over, unfortunately. Everyone's trying to hit a home run. It was a 16-inning game, and it was decided – by a pair of two-run home runs. It's annoying, but that's where the game is today.
2: Speaking of where the game is today, Greg, we were talking about the game yesterday. It was a day game here in St. Louis, very hot, but Busch Stadium was relatively empty. There was entire sections of people that weren't there, and I'm watching MLB Network right now. They're running through highlights, and every single stadium that I see has huge chunks of the stadium that's empty. So I'm wondering if that's something that you guys are talking about, about the fact that it seems like attendance hasn't really returned for baseball the way we assumed that it would post-pandemic.
6: You know, it's weird because I think, you know, Michelle, people in the back of their minds, if you follow baseball, if you love baseball, you know what is to come and to fall in love with it, to get your kids all riled up for it and go to a bunch of games. knowing there could be a strike. Uh, in a couple months that that's something that's fearful I think a lot of fans want to see is baseball gonna get along a- it will the owners and and the players actually make this work because why would I what I become invested in something that has an end in potential sites so it, it's a scary thing it's been looming I love the fact they already met the fact that uh, ownership through a a financial floor in terms of the amount of money the least amount of money a team can spend on a roster initially threw that out there and the potential goodwill of a negotiation and maybe get this thing done relatively soon I, I think you're going to see that happen believe it or not uh, there is a concerted effort on both sides to keep talking because they're seeing what we're all noticing and that is baseball fans you know a little leery here now, as I say that as I say that we're going to see epic situations come September. Um, If there's a wild card game at Yankee Stadium and the Red Sox are in town, that's going to be bananas. It it will be. Uh, This rivalry between the Dodgers and the Padres, it's legit, man, watching these fans go back and forth all night into the wee hours. There's something special brewing there. Uh, speaking of Brewers, I was watching the Brewers and, and that Reds game, Woodruff versus Castillo, and that had a great ambiance as well. So, yes, I hear your point, and there are pockets of that, especially on getaway day, afternoon baseball, you'll see that, but there's something to what you're saying. I think they're they're paying attention to it, that's for sure.
4: That's why I think they got to get a deal before December 1st so that teams can set budgets and Market and all those kind of things. But I I want to go back into what's happening uh, right now with the Cardinals. They've got uh, four with Pittsburgh, and then you go Cincinnati and you go Milwaukee. Uh, Convince me, Greg, that they can stay in this thing. They're three and a half games out with about uh, what, 36, 37 to
6: play. Well, the the Reds are ahead of them, and they have the second NL wild card. They're only two back in the lost column. And I I pay attention to that uh, intensely. Only two back in the lost column. And I'm going to say this. This four-game set against the Pittsburgh Pirates, every game needs to be treated like Game 7 of the World Series. They have, this is a must-sweep. I said it last out of the air. I rarely say that in the month, month of August. Their schedule, even after what you just said, is not easy. I think 23 straight games or 19 of 23 against teams with winning records, they're going to have to take advantage of what they haven't taken advantage yet. They lost 2-3 to the Pirates the Tigers sort of beat them up. I, I, you can't lose to those teams. I know the Tigers have been a bit resurgent, getting closer to 500. Can't lose to those teams. If you want to play in October, you can't. This four-game set in Pittsburgh, the Pirates have been playing so poorly. The best they played were against the Cardinals in that series of push stadium. This is must sweep. They've got to get those wins back they lost two of three. They've got to win all four of these games. If they win all four of these games, then they're proving to everyone that they're worthy of of being a playoff team. So I'm not even going to look further past the steel city. This four game set will define the season of the St. Louis Cardinals. If they're a legit playoff team, they have to sweep. If they don't, But hey, it was another winning record Just didn't pan out in St. Louis
1: Greg Amzinger, MLB Network with us On 101 ESPN I have not mentioned, because I wanted you to do so Your philosophy about the Cardinals Extending Yadier Molina for one more year And and I love your thought process
6: And I, I believe you're right on I, I've been saying this for two years. When I initially said it, I got a lot of eye rolls, which is norm for me. I throw a lot of stuff against the wall. Sometimes it sticks. This might stick. I think it will stick. I believe that Yachty or Moline and the Cardinals got together to make this happen because Yachty honestly wanted to make it happen. Didn't want any drama going into the off season. The Cardinals didn't want anything messy about this. And a legacy player with the CBA coming up. That's A. B, I think Yachty wants what I'm proposing. I think this last dance of Cardinal legends is upon us in 2022. I think you're going to see Adam Wainwright get a one-year deal before the season's over. I think that's going to happen. Why wouldn't you? He's been amazing this year on the mound for the St. Louis Cardinals. And I believe with Yachty and Bueno deciding this is going to be our last hurrah, a new CBA, which will, I believe, get done, and there will be universal DH in both leagues, Albert Pujols is outperforming since his time with the Dodgers. Many sluggers in the big leagues right now. Better numbers than Christian Yellich, better numbers than Cody Bellinger. I could go on and on. Some big names. He's outplayed as a member of the Dodgers. Hitting over 260 with 10 home runs, almost 40 RBIs in less than 70 games. He's played really well, and he's proven he could be a DH. I think you will see Albert end his career on a one-year deal and join Yachty and Wainwright as they end their incredible careers together in what will be an unforgettable 2022 season in St. Louis.
2: Well, Greg, that's one way to put butts in seats.
6: <laughs> there you go. It's an entertainment business, Michelle. It's not about X's and O's. Would the Tampa Bay Rays do that? Probably not. Are the Rays going to win 100 games this year? Probably. Will the Rays <laughs> ever have a sellout inside the Trop? Probably not. So sometimes you got to give to get, and I think you're, you're entertaining folks. So, yes, this will get butts in the seats.
1: Greg Amsinger, you always bring it. You're great. Are you playing golf today, by the way?
6: I am, yes. I'm teeing off at around 10 o'clock in the morning. Off day for me. So I'll try to squeeze in 36 holes. There, don't you worry. Nicely done.
1: Is it, uh, it's like 100 degrees here. Is it going to be 100 degrees there?
6: Yeah. Around ninety four, yeah, ninety five. Oh, thankfully, thankfully, yeah. There's a, a there's a cart that drives around our golf course that has many beverages. I will be frequenting that throughout
3: the day.
4: All right, I can't we'll- wait till we start traveling again and I can uh, hit up Greg for golf.
6: <laughs> oh, he's, he's got. That whenever hookup. you want, whenever you want. I am a great golf host. We could solve
4: right- world problems. We could play golf. It'll be
6: great. We talk about kids mowing the lawn. Absolutely. It'll be great. <laughs> Love it.
1: You're the best. Enjoy your day, and we'll talk to you soon, Greg. Thanks a lot. Uh, all right. Take care, guys. See you, brother. That is Greg Amzinger, MLB Network on 101 ESPN. So, uh, final tour with Molina, Wainwright, and Albert. How fun would that be?
2: It would be fun.
1: I think it's intriguing. I definitely think two of the three. Mm-hmm.
4: I think Wayno By Yachty coming back, and I have been really on the fence about Wayno coming back, listening to your interviews, watching him on uh, social media, just talking to him every once in a while. I'm kind of on the fence about it, but now I think that is the solidifier, if you will, of him coming back is Yachty coming back. Um, I do think there's a D.H. in the National League next year, which then makes it easier if you're going to bring Albert back. I don't think he would be your everyday D.H., But I do think he would DH every once in a while, maybe play a little first base, and he would be your top pinch hitter against left handed pitching. And if he
1: wants to do it here, bring him back. It'd be fun. Coming up next, get your text into the air. Comfort Service Text Line 65780. Take it or leave it is coming your way with Michelle, Dan, and Randy
0: on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
1: Our text line is 65780. Michelle, Dan, and Randy, take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. Kids, uh, uh, Minute Maid Park, Houston, Texas, Dateline. The Houston Astros hosting the Kansas City Royals. And uh, we have the big screen and we have shots of all the fans. And there's a shot of one young gentleman who's got his arm around a lovely blonde, sees himself up on the big screen and quickly takes his arm away. Oh. Yeah, take it or leave it. Astro's going to cheat. Oh, wow.
2: Feels <laughs> like the place to do it. If
4: you're oh, going to cheat. <laughs> yeah. Houston. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Probably shouldn't do it
1: at a ballpark,
2: though. Probably not. Not at a no.
1: public setting.
2: Why would you do that?
1: His I'm around her, and then he sees himself on the weekend. Oh! oh! <laughs> you never did that, did you, Randall? No, You've
4: been no. a good boy to Joan. Yes, sir. a <laughs> boy. So... I'm going to yeah. take that, though. Don't do it at uh, Minute Maid. Hey, Estros, Don't do it at a ballpark. Don't do it at a public setting. Yeah.
2: Astros going to cheat? You got some explaining to do if you're that yes, guy. Yes, you
1: do. hmm mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> She was cold.
1: <laughs> and by the way, it wound up all over Twitter. So if, if he was uh, having a, a fling with uh, the, the blonde Astros fan... If he had a significant other on Twitter, probably in Houston, she found out about it or he found out. I
2: would imagine if she's not on Twitter, some people she knows are on Twitter and they saw it and sent it to her. But yeah, why? Think about that person's day. He probably woke up, thought, "What a great day! I'm going to take my side piece to the game, Mm. get a hot dog, have some beers." It's a side piece. It's a side piece. That's what it is. My goodness. (laughs) And uh, the next thing you know, you're outed on social media for being a cheater. Life comes at you fast, guys. So make the right decisions. Wow. (laughs) Just saying.
1: Well said. Thanks, Michelle.
2: You got it.
4: I don't want to mess with you. I'm just saying. (gasps) All right. Life
2: comes at you fast. All right. Karma always finds a way. All right. So if the Cardinals make the playoffs. If, take it or leave it, Lars Newt Bar will be the devil magic guy.
1: Oh, totally. Newt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to take that. Yeah, take it. Why not? And that is that a devil magic cardinal name or what?
2: It totally. Yeah. Who what?
1: the hell is Lars Newtbar? <laughs> <laughs> That's what they're going to be saying in, in L.A. <laughs> we, you could have
4: Sedeno um, in 85. Yep. Who would be your guy in 87? And Danny Dreesen down the stretch. Yeah, Danny Dreesen would be that. And then uh, Lars Newt Bar in... 2021. Yeah.
2: Pete Cosmo was a devil magic guy. There you guy. go. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Matt Adams, I guess you could say, yeah. is a devil magic yep. guy. Yep. But Lars Newbar just has all of the makings for a Cardinals postseason devil yeah, magic guy.
1: Yeah, he And who else? Uh, Marco Gonzalez was one of those guys when he came up against the Dodgers in, uh, like, uh, what was it, 14 or 15? It's great in a series against the Dodgers. He's pretty good, too. He is. It's an interesting trade. Um, how
4: you—I always, um, you know— Evaluate trades way after they're done. But you do have an everyday left fielder now in Tyler O'Neill. Yeah. So, And they got a frontline starter. That would be a guy. So Taguchi, I guess, would be another one that came right. to mind. That's a good call. Had a, a couple of big hits. Had that home run off of Billy Wagner in 06. Yep. I mean, yep. the last guy you think of is so Taguchi <laughs> to catch up right. with 100 from yeah. Billy Wagner, who's M- going to be a Hall of Famer.
1: And Mets fans are saying, come on.
4: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. Take it or leave it. By the end of the year, for a myriad of reasons, Luis Garcia is going to be closing games out for the Cardinals. Ooh, this is a good one. I'm going to take one. that. Doesn't have the miles on him that the other guys have. We've seen, uh, obviously, since the second half of the season, Gallegos and Reyes have had their bumps in the road. Another one yesterday for Alex Reyes, where he got the first two. Then Miguel Cabrera comes off the bench, hits a double, pinch hitting, and then a base hit up the middle. Game is tied. Um, I think it can be twofold. One is... Well, number one, I think they will write it out with Alex if they're in contention. But if they're not in contention, I would be interested to see if they would say, hey, to try to get a few more innings for Alex, if he is indeed going to be a starter next year. Maybe we're out of contention. Season's essentially over. But we're going to give him a start or two to where he gets a couple of innings here and then you build up to three or four and and that's what you get. Maybe. Who knows? But that's a take it or leave it for me. All right.
1: Emily, what did you got?
2: From the 636, take it or leave it, Tarasenko will be traded this weekend to the Islanders.
1: I'm going to leave that. I don't believe, and this is just my own personal opinion, that the Islanders make that move until they see him on the ice.
2: But you think it will be the Islanders?
1: I think it has a very good chance to be the Islanders. Because Barry Trotz, a lot of people thought the same things about Alex Ovechkin, that They think about Vladimir Tarasenko, and Trotz did a great job of handling Ovi, and Lula Morello is going to wait for his best deal. It's my understanding, by the way, that the Blues have, as you might expect, zero interest in paying Vladimir Tarasenko to play for somebody else. So that really is a sticking point for them now, is that when they move him, they want the $15 million left on that contract moved, too. They don't want to pay him... $10 million or $5 million Of his salary to play for somebody else So I was looking at it last
4: night I'm still confused on the Islanders Cap space and where they're at And
1: if it can work Are you confused on that at all? Or am I just not seeing it properly? No, I, I think that's one of the reasons that they want Because they still have some RFAs To take care of too That's what I'm saying They want the Blues to pick up part of the salary
4: I don't think that'll happen But I don't think that Tarasenko begins Training camp with the Blues
1: at least don't. I, I mean, one way or another, it's going to happen. Hey, where he's gone, hey, it's going to be hard for him to walk into that dressing room and be. There's no way he'll be accepted. You have to have some. I big, disagree with that yeah, too. Big cojones to walk into that room. I think he will be because it really his issue is not with the
4: players, is it? I think the players are done. Done with him. Yeah. yeah.
2: I can't imagine that as a player you'd be pumped to know that he doesn't want to be here.
1: Yeah, and
4: maybe then so. He's coming
2: back,
1: and here's another part of this preseason game and Jeremy Rutherford credit to JR for this point. point uh, first preseason game and he gets checked into the boards and injures his arm mm-hmm. he's got to go back to the room who's going to be treating him
2: <laughs> somebody that gets paid to but probably not so, happy about so, it somebody, somebody that you he ripped. to be professional so
4: you yeah. 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 still got to be
1: professional yeah oh and they will but i'm telling you that if you have any Conscience whatsoever—it's got to be an uncomfortable situation for him, for sure. It's uncomfortable, but he got to be professional. Yeah.
2: Well, I wonder if that's a conversation that he has in that moment too, where he says, "I don't feel comfortable with any of the people here, yeah. and I would like to bring in my own person." Or what just, does that look like? Yeah,
1: or or else he says, "My bad, dog," which you could say. Yeah, you just come in and do a little mea culpa. Yeah.
4: From, it happens.
2: From the three one four. take it or leave it. With him opting out, Nick Cassianos
7: becomes high on the Cardinals' priority list.
4: I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that because where is he going to play? Right. right. I think the Cardinals like what they have with their outfield situation. I think you do have to look at middle infield. Now, if he could play shortstop or second, then we'd be talking. Yeah. And he'll get
1: big money somewhere. Oh, yeah. if he When he does that. Flat out hit, man. Yep.
7: From the 636, take it or leave it, three Blues defensemen scored 10 or more goals.
1: I'm going to leave that, although it would be fun if you could have Krug, Falk, and Pareco each scoring 10. But I'm going to leave it. I don't think Pareko gets to 10.
2: I'm going to leave it, too. But it would be great.
1: Yeah.
4: I'm going to take it. like your positivity, Dan. Love I'm going to take it. I got three making uh, 12 goals and uh, fifteen minimum 15 assists. I just did the numbers in my
1: head. Well done. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. And thank you very much for your text to the Air Comfort Service, text line 65780. The Cardinals with a win to stay in the hunt.
0: It's unbelievable. And that's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> <laughs>
4: the 2-1 pitch nude bar hits it right side
1: It was a 10-inning victory for the Cardinals over the Tigers yesterday. The Cardinals finally get one against Detroit after losing their first three interleague games against the Tigers this season. It's 8.04, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle, Dan, and Randy, and Newt Barr, as Dan mentioned, gets his first MLB walk-off hit. It's pretty unbelievable, honestly. I uh,
4: always wanted to know what it felt like, but uh, now it's here. Um, obviously, you know it's a walk-off, so it always comes in a win. So that's always nice. Going on the road, uh, big, big road stand ahead of us. So, um, you know, just just glad we can go in there with a uh, with a little bit of momentum, and glad we got the win.
1: Nupar is a pretty good offensive player from what we've seen so far.
4: Well, the the one thing that he's done um, that I've seen is pitch recognition. Now, in talking with those that have seen him in the minor leagues, they mentioned that he's very good in that regard. I thought it was also interesting that over the weekend Mike Schilt gave him a start against a lefty, so showing some confidence there. Um, He can play all three outfield spots. We'll see over time how well he can play defensively, but he has given them a little jolt when they needed it, and they needed it yesterday, so it's it's a win that keeps him it keeps us interesting at least for me I don't know I mean I think generally fans are probably down on this team a little bit frustrated with the team and I totally get it they've been hovering around 500 we had the really tough month of June but you got a month to go and you're three and a half out in the wild card with a huge as Lars said road trip coming up four with Pittsburgh Michael is going tonight then you'll go to Cincinnati who you're chasing and then you've got uh, Milwaukee so it makes this trip uh, kind of a do or die potentially for the Cardinals coming up and for Nuke
1: Bar, th- this is so typical now of Major League players: 136 at bats in Triple A, 110 at bats in Double A, 155 at High A, 122 at Low A, and then at the rookie level, he had 223 at bats. So he he doesn't have a ton of at bats, and like you said, Dan, he's got the pitch recognition. He he looks like. A more advanced hitter than the the minor league at bats would lead you to believe yeah, that he is. I would agree, and
4: so um, you know, give him a chance. I, I think uh, it would be interesting if Bader can't get it going. You know, and you're running out of time. What you do. Um, Offensively. Now, Bader, to me, is kind of what makes this thing go defensively. He settles everything down, but had a really tough homestand. Nolan Arnauto, tough homestand. And when those two guys click, it seems like the offense clicks. So you're getting pitching. Like, for instance, yesterday, TJ McFarland, he now has 18 and two-thirds without allowing a run. Picked up another run yesterday. Luis Garcia, I think it's up to 16 and a third consecutive scoreless innings. Uh, you look at Henesis uh, Cabrera. He's been great. Now, Gallegos and Reyes have had their issues here in the second half, but pitching-wise, they've been okay. Now, what do they do minus Jack Flaherty on the upcoming road trip? We'll see, but uh, we'll find out, you know, starting tonight. And I, I think Greg hit it on the head, too, in our, our visit with him. You, you have to win this series against yeah. Pittsburgh. Have you, you have to win this series. There's no other way to look at it.
2: It's a defining series, as we've said, and you have this opportunity – to take advantage of Pittsburgh while you can and then you have an opportunity to face the team that you're chasing in the Cincinnati Reds and the Brewers and make up some ground in the division I think we're going to find out in the next few days if in fact this Cardinals team is a playoff team
1: Yeah, Paul Goldschmidt in August 4 home runs, 18 RBIs batting average of .345 a 396 on base 571 slug and a 967 OPS. That's the Paul Goldschmidt that we expected when the Cardinals traded for him and really in August he's carried the club offensively. He's been there the whole month. Absolutely and and
4: he's this is kind of the track record though with goldschmidt what's interesting is that he always historically gets off to these slow starts and then all of a sudden you look up at the end of the year and he's got 25 home runs drives in 85 90 and you know ops
1: is 800 and you know it's typical paul goldschmidt how about this his april ops was 597 May 772, June 839, July 959, August 967. It's wow. gone up every single month.
2: So when it gets hot, he gets hot.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and we know he's a team guy. So not only did he hit the two home runs yesterday, but he really does appreciate what he's seeing with a young hitter like Lars Nutbar.
8: I mean, he's done a great job since getting called up, he's been putting big spots. Had to pinch hit, you know, come in and play defense, and he's done a great job. He's really composed himself, um, you know, in a different role, switched outfield spots. So, uh, obviously, very happy for him. I know, you know, I see him work in the cage, work on defense, work all the way. You know, it's not an accident. He's been able to come up and perform, and uh, you know, definitely, yeah. As a young player, you want to contribute and help the team win, and he's done a great job. Whether it's the win today, that great catch he's made, just had some other, you know, good games. He's done it a lot of different ways, and. I mean, you know, there's going to be some ups and downs. You're going to, you know, come up with a big situation, not get the job done or you know, something like that. So definitely, you know, satisfying to, uh, you know, for him to get that big hit right there.
4: One of the things I noticed with him, too, is that he provides energy. Yes. And there are times at this club when you don't hit you're flat. You always look flat. And I do think that he has provided energy. I would say the same thing with the Mundo Sosa and newpar really did make a nice play in left field. He went back on it and it was no clouds in the sky. He goes back and is turned all around. You're thinking, uh oh. This is a nightmare ready to happen. Mm -hmm. And he made the catch, and it was a good play. And then I mentioned Carlson then shifting from left to right and made really the key defensive play of the game on the the ball that uh, was hit in the 10th inning. So... Energy. I, I just want to see some guys with energy here in the dog day. And these truly are the dog days of summer, but they go to the ballpark with a purpose and they should understand that there are a lot of teams that aren't right now. So they have an opportunity. See what happens
2: uh, in regards to Lars Newport and the energy whenever it's a walk-off situation in teams when there's always excitement, but I just noticed the way the guys were yesterday when it was him that came through, how excited they were for him. And you could just see it on their faces that this was somebody that they were really pumped for and that they were glad he had that moment.
4: Nolan Arnauto is from the basically, uh similar area in California and those two um actually worked out a little bit together they're going to work out in this off season together in California and probably go to Matt Holiday's house and work out and do those kind of things but he talked about how this guy's he's got energy and there is something to be said even if you're not the most Talented player of bringing energy every time to the ballpark. And even when Newpar, to your point, Michelle, like he had a base hit the other day that brought in a run and he's running up the first baseline and pointing to the dugout and pumping his fist. I appreciate that. It's okay. It's okay to have some energy and some emotion in this game. And this is no disrespect to Paul Goldschmidt, but he is as even keel as you get. He hits two bombs and it's like, Well, I mean, I got a couple pitches to hit, and I knocked him out of the ballpark, and it was great. And and that's great. It's a pretty good goal. You know, and that's fine. That's his personality. The guy's going to put up great numbers. Arenado is going to show you energy. He's a different kind of guy. But these young guys do – players feed off of that at times. Now, sometimes it can wear thin, but there are other times when it's cool to see it. And when you have a first walk-off
1: hit, it was good to see yesterday. One other quick point here. Johan Oviedo in his 14 starts for the Cardinals this year got to the fifth inning four times out of 14. When John Mosela got Happ and Lester, he said, we want to stabilize the rotation. Those guys have combined for nine starts, and there's only been one of those starts where Lester or Happ didn't go at least five innings. Lester had the one where he went four and a third. Otherwise, those guys are giving you actually more than i expected but everything that you could have hoped for in terms of innings how about wade
4: let's throw wade leblanc in that too now he had to build up to get to five or six but i do think that that is another factor of this and it's i think what has been frustrating with this team and and when i look back at the, the the year that is right now going on they have been this close to being a much better team than what they've shown and I do think they can be better there's a lot of talent on this team injuries have obviously played a major factor in this and it's not just the injuries but who gets injured when you miss Flaherty for as long as he has and I'm Hey, every team has dealt with it. I'm not making excuses. You find a way. Look what, what happened to the Mets when they lost their number one starter. It's been big, but that month and of the Padres June too. By the way, yeah, that month of example. June, man. If you can find people that throw strikes, it's a different Jesus. month, and you're you might be in the the, the second wild card spot. So again i keep saying it and i know some fans will go man this team's not any good look they played around 500 they haven't been great but yet you the way it is right now you're three and a half out and you hold your own destiny and i I think that's something you have to impress upon the players is like hey man Go for it. You got you got 30 games and some change here. Go for it. Let's have a little fun with it. I, I, here's the other thing, too, real quickly. I don't know if you guys are with me on this. And I know what the numbers will say on, hey, like, Jacob Stallings will be behind the plate today, I would imagine, for Pittsburgh. And he's a really good defensive player and maybe he has a chance to win the Gold Glove. I would just start going for broke. I would start running. I would hit and run. I would do anything to try to force the issue. On the opposition and be as aggressive as I could here down the stretch.
2: Oh, absolutely, go for you got it. Got nothing to lose. Absolutely.
1: The New York Yankees before the All Star break, I think, had the third fewest steals in baseball since the All Star break. Or no, since the yeah, since the All Star break when they brought up Greg Allen, they lead Major League Baseball in stolen bases, and that's coincided with them being the hottest team in baseball. Yeah,
4: I, I just think there's something to it. Like the other day, they stole. They were successful in one, weren't on the other. And I was saying off the air to Ricky, I said, I'd rather watch that, a guy get thrown out at second base trying to steal and force the issue, than sitting back and just waiting and waiting and waiting because this offense has been way too inconsistent this year to
1: sit back and wait. That's today's fresh take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Yadier Molina is going to make some history next year. We'll tell you what that is and talk about him coming back for a final season next on 101 ESPN.
0: We are right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
9: Yes, it would be my final season. It would be my final season. Um, that's something that um, that's what I want to do. You know, like that's, that's why my agent um, and myself came to Mo and told them, you know, that I want to stay here. Uh, I want to get it done um, this early and, and not put this uh, negotiation in the free agency uh, again and um, because it's gonna be my last year, I want to finish here in this great organization.
1: Yadier Molina yesterday, as the announcement was made that he assigned a one-year extension through the 2022 campaign, and he will complete his career as a member of the Cardinals. Michelle, Dan, and Randy on 101 ESPN, and previous to Yadi, who I believe is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and I think Dan, you said yesterday that uh, if somebody doesn't vote for him for the Hall of Fame, they're just wrong. They don't <laughs> know what they're talking about. Correct. If when Yachty goes into the Hall of Fame now with the offense, it's a slam yeah, dunk, right? He will join Bob Gibson and Stan Musial as the only Cardinal Hall of Famers that have never worn another jersey. Ozzie's worn another jersey in a slaughter. Red Shane Deinst wore other jerseys. Bruce Sutter wore other jerseys. It's remarkable that of all the success the Cardinals have had, and all the Hall of Famers that they have enjoyed, and we've enjoyed watching, that he'll only be the third that goes into the Hall of Fame having worn nothing but a Cardinal jersey.
2: Such rarefied air. But when you think about the success the Cardinals have had over the past few—I mean, d- decade plus, obviously, almost 20 years—Yadier Molina is at the core of all of it. Mm-hmm. He is such an important part of this organization and has been for so long. And I think Adam Wainwright said it best when we spoke to him yesterday, Yadi would just look, it would be gross to see him in another uniform. Yeah. It would be so weird to see him not wearing the birds on the bat. So I'm glad that they got it done. I'm glad they got it done now so that he doesn't have to worry about it and the fan base doesn't have to wonder this offseason. And it's it's poetic and it's perfect that he would end his career as a Cardinal.
1: And Wayno gave us a little bit of insight as to why this happened now.
6: <laughs> that was really exciting for Yachty. I was, I was uh, fired up for him because I know he wanted that. You know, he he, uh, and he especially wanted to get it done quickly. I think because you know if it wasn't going to happen, he wanted to be able to say goodbye to the fans and how well they treated him and. And uh, you know, kind of pay his respects and and uh, show some love there. But I'm glad it worked out because he's a Cardinal. He would look so weird in another uniform. It would just not look good, not look right. Wouldn't be, wouldn't make anybody feel good to see Yachty wearing a different uniform. So um, I'm glad he's back. He's obviously a huge part of the reason why I've been successful my whole career, and and uh, more than more than a teammate to me. So glad to have him back for sure.
4: There are so many things uh, I think about with this. Um, first of all, the, the pending CBA. Um, so now you know that he's in the fold, and you have uh, a part of... Your budget already figured out for that position. Um, the fact that he has come out now and said publicly that this is my final year, I do think about when he travels to visiting ballparks next mm-hmm. year. Does he get like the the Derek Jeter yeah. treatment? Are they going to roll out like a rocking chair made out of bats, or you know mm-hmm. what, what's going to be? Because I do think a lot of teams, especially in the Central or in the National League, will give him a proper send-off when the the final time that he appears in that visiting ballpark. I think about um, people will say, well, $10 million, it's a lot for a guy that is declining, especially in the second half of the season offensively. And that's true. And I think... um, He's still great catch and throw. Defensively, he's still very, very good at handling uh, a pitching staff. And the offense hasn't been where it was in the beginning of the season. But what does he mean to this organization? Where if you just look at the numbers compared to others, if he hit the open market, um, you know he let's just say for argument's sake, he he was worth five or six and seven million dollars, whatever. And you tacked on another uh, another three. What does he mean to you about? putting fannie's in the seats next year. What does that final month look like at home at Bush Stadium? What does it mean after all the years and all these day, the days of him in uniform are done that as Randy mentioned, he has been a cardinal the entire time and worn that uniform. There's value to that. And so I I just think it's the right thing to do. I'm glad that they did it before the the uh, free agency period got here and the offseason got here now the next one is is adam wainwright and we'll see what happens with albert Pujols. but i also think i wonder if you're the cardinals do you say do we waive the uh, three years of uh, being retired and three years of having played for the cardinals to put him in the cardinal hall of fame <laughs> i think that'd be great
2: just given the jacket yeah. 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 yeah i
4: wonder if you do that and he, he i don't say, think they
1: will yeah. but i do wonder yeah. about it he, he did say yesterday that he Uh, can't wait to put on that red jacket. And John Moselock, as you mentioned, Dan,
5: he didn't want Yachty going to free agency. Like I said, I I consider him a friend. So if someone comes to you and and wants to do something, if if you have the power or the ability to do it, why not do it? In this particular case, I mean, Mr. DeWitt or myself, I mean, how better, what's a better way for us to thank Yachty for his career? I mean, the can down the road, let him go fishing for your agency, and then try to sign them in January. I mean, like the man's earned a lot of respect and, and it's not just respect. It's, it's like, it's, it's legit. It's you know like, like we really do care about one another. And so like, for me, it, 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 it wasn't a very complex exercise. It was more just like, okay, clear stuff off my desk so I can just address it. And like I said, it was, it was really swift. I mean, it, 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 it probably would have gone faster. Mel had to go fishing, so we can blame him. I guess he caught a marlin. So anyway, um, that—that's why. And
1: hey, this—this this is a guy that has made twenty million dollars. There is a level of respect with the dollars and cents that you pay a player. You, this is a guy that has gone from twenty million to nine million, and in his last year, it's just the way baseball is economically. You do pay for the respect that that player has earned.
2: Well, you also, Dan, mentioned the value that he brings to the organization, and he is going to generate a lot of revenue for the team next year in his farewell tour. So the the number that you might think that his performance is worth, the value is higher when you think about everything that he brings to the organization and all the money that he's going to be generating.
4: Also, think about uh, since 2003, since Yachty has been the catcher, there have been 1,373 stolen base attempts against the Cardinals. The next closest Is 1,891 Arizona. So since he has been the catcher, there have been 518, that's the difference, Mm -hmm. stolen base attempts. I mean, he's controlled a running game. And there's things that don't pop up in a box score that say, well, did this team run or not run because of Yadir Molina? And the times that they did not run, it's amazing. And it's the, you know, Ted Simmons has talked about it multiple times with me he's like yadi is a coach on the field Mm -hmm. uh what he and ted was saying this when he was scouting he's like i've never seen a guy be able to control a running game but also control the entire game like yadi or molina and that is something that doesn't show up in a box score when you start talking about percentages of caught stealing and all those things how many times did they not do something because of him being there right Or a young pitcher out there because you felt comfortable that Yachty was going to handle him properly. So all the things that he has brought the intangibles to this organization have been remarkable. And um, I do think it's great that he's come out and addressed it and said, this is indeed my final year. It's this is it. I'm going out
1: and uh, people can celebrate him. And he's going to have a farewell tour in twenty twenty two.
9: Yeah, I was thinking going to Cincinnati and hear all the booths <laughs> there and going to Chicago, hear all the booze there. I mean, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a great time to go there and and get the booze going up. But yeah, I mean, it would be, it would be awesome when, when you see, um, and their years, um, David Ortiz, Mariano Rivera do the same thing on the last year. Um, and the appreciation the the fans have for, for the players and uh, they, they do a, a good job on, on, on the baseball field. I mean, it's, it's awesome. You want to be part of that. Hopefully, um, the people, you know, respond to that for me and uh, it would be great for me. It would be awesome. I would be appreciated for that.
1: As I, I listen to that, uh, I go back to what Greg Amzinger said about it being the farewell tour for not only Yachty, but Waino and Albert. Would Albert being on the team on a farewell tour take away from the Yachty spotlight?
2: That's a good question.
1: It's a, it's a valid point. But and I, yes, it would.
2: It would. But I wonder if he would mind sharing the spotlight with his mm-hmm.
4: friend. Right. It, that they both go out and uh, and... Like you said, share it together, which would be cool. Um, it would be
2: different. It would be really special. Yeah, it, it would. would
4: be and um, very unique. I, uh, how old is Patrick? Twenty-seven, just turned twenty-seven. You know, you you think about your son and how old your daughter? Twenty-three. Okay, this is all they've known. Yep, I, that is the amazing thing to me. Um, and I said this on the show yesterday with BK. There are kids and. and Big baseball fans and Cardinal fans that he or she grew up with and all they know is Yadier Molina. Katie has made that point. that, that That's all she remembers catching for the Cardinals. Now think about that. And think That's of, hard to imagine. It's oh a gosh. lifetime of watching one guy play, which yeah. is pretty cool.
2: And think about if you're the opposing teams that Yadi mentioned, this one guy has tormented you <laughs> yes. for for almost twenty years. He has been the reason you boo, he's been the reason, a lot of the reason why your team hasn't had success because of this one guy who represents so much success in the Cardinals organization. He's he's Tom Brady.
4: And he's played the position where how do you last 19 years? It's unbelievable. It's
2: crazy. How do
4: you do that? I mean, honestly, yeah, 19 years at that position and the fact
1: that he he rarely takes days off. I wonder if somebody has done the math on the rough number of how many times he squatted down when you include oh. spring training, preseason games, warming people up, foul tips. postseason foul tips. Yeah. But how, how much, just how, how many times since he got to the, this was just say in the major leagues, has he squatted down and gotten back up? Now, th- this
4: too, what does it mean next year and how much he plays? So if you're the manager, you, you and let's just say he's healthy for the entire year, um, I think we're seeing a little bit of maybe what we're going to see next year, which is Kisner's going to play a little bit more mm-hmm. if indeed he is your backup and no reason to think that he wouldn't be that way. And it gives Herrera then another year to develop. Which I think is important. Now, he has come on here in the last probably month and a half or so, but it gives you another year to let him develop, and then maybe by
1: 2023, either he or Kisner is the guy every day. And I don't mind the idea of down the stretch here finding out if kisner can be that backup next year because to me the backup should play 50 games next year and if you need to go out and get a i third, think at least yeah Randy. right so if you need to go out and get another guy if kisner is not the answer i would like to know that and let the remaining few days of this month in september tell us whether or not kisner can be the guy or if they need for a year to get somebody to be a bridge between molina and the person that he's mentoring and uh and then getting to Evan Herrera, I don't know if,
4: I don't even know if you'd find out enough in the final month with Kisner. To me, he has got to go to winter ball. He's got to get a bunch of at bats in this winter, wherever that may be, and then play him a bunch in spring training, and then give him mm-hmm. a chance to be your backup next year, and then you know make your decision going forward. Maybe they already know, but um, he's got to
1: have a chance to get some at bats in, which has been very very tough for him to find. That is our look at Yadier Molina, and he'll be in action tonight for the Cardinals against the Pirates in Pittsburgh. Dan will have the call on Valley Sports. Looking forward to that. Coming up
4: next. Yes. 530 tonight on Bally Sports Midwest, the uh, Pirates and the Cardinals. Randall, Miles Michaelis against Mitch Keller.
1: Is today Miles Michaelis' birthday or was that yesterday?
2: Let's find out.
1: 33 years old.
2: I believe it was yesterday.
1: Okay. Well, happy belated to, uh, to Miles.
2: It was, uh, no, it was August 23rd, so so several days. Real happy to
1: to
0: miles.
2: But he is 33, yes. Okay, thank you.
0: The fight is coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman.
2: It's Carriker, it's Smallman, it's Danny Mac here on this Thursday, and it is time for the fight, which is Dan's favorite part of the entire yeah, day, is. so he can cheer against Randy. Yes. And Dan, the person that you're cheering for today is Ryan, who is with us now. What's up, Ryan? How are you?
8: Great. How are you
4: guys doing? How you feeling, Ryan? You feeling good about this or what? Uh, Not great. I don't like to hear that. Let's start that over. Ryan, how you feeling about (laughs) this? Let's get a little confidence going, babe. I'm pumped up. Let's do it. That a boy. Uh, What do you do for a living?
6: Uh, I'm an EMT. Awesome. Well, thanks for all uh, what
4: you do. That's awesome. Thank you for your support. You got it. Let's uh, beat Randy. Let's do it.
2: You know what we need, Dan, is we need Ryan to bring a little Lars Nootbar energy to the show yeah, absolutely. today. Absolutely.
4: Let's go, Ryan. Let's do it. Here we go.
2: All right. Here you go, Ryan. Question number one. Happy 32nd birthday to nine-time NBA All-Star James Harden. The Beard was drafted number three overall out of Arizona State by which team in the 2009 NBA draft? Was it the New Jersey Nets, the Oklahoma Oklahoma City Thunder, or the Houston Rockets?
6: Uh, Let's go with the Rockets.
4: MLB announced the 2021 playoff season postseason schedule yesterday. Game 7 of the World Series scheduled to be November 3rd, if necessary. The latest since 2009. Who won the 2009 World Series? Was it the Yankees, the Phillies, or the Giants? Let's go with the Giants.
2: Question number three, Ryan, former St. Louis Rams head coach and Super Bowl champion Dick Vermeil, will be our guest at 930 this morning.
4: Dickie V. Can't,
2: can't wait to talk to DV. Vermeil had one college football head coaching gig. Where was it? Was it Cal, USC, or UCLA? Uh, can
8: you say the options again?
2: Sure. Was it Cal, USC, or UCLA? Dick Vermeil's one college football head coaching gig.
6: Let's go with USC
4: okay and number four since his first full season in 05 Yadier Molina ranked second among catchers in war who is first is it Brian McCann Buster Posey or Russell Martin Brian McCann Buster Posey or Russell Martin Let's go with Buster Posey all right Thank you, Ryan.
2: Checking our score. Let's
4: go ahead and bring in Randall. Are you confident in your answers, Ryan? Uh, I I feel pretty confident. Good. I like to hear that. Uh, Randall, meet Ryan, EMT.
1: Ryan EMT, it's great to Hold have on. you with us Thanks for listening, thanks for playing, <laughs> thanks for what you do for us
2: You might want to say that hey, Your mic no. wasn't on well,
1: my, uh, Ryan, first of all, thanks for listening Second of all, thanks for playing And third of all, thank you for doing what you do To help save lives We appreciate it uh, No problem, thank you for your support, Randy uh, I was just wondering in the hall, by the way Has anybody gotten more out of two words Than Bart Scott? Has he made a career off of saying Can't wait Yes I mean, he's got a radio show because he said, can't wait.
2: I mean, Lil John has a career off saying, yeah, OK. That's so,
1: true. What made you think of that, Randy? Because JR, Jeremy Rutherford, just uh, tweeted that he's going to join us here in the next segment. And I responded with the can't wait gif. Awesome. Or GIF, Whatever way you want to put it. Can All right. gif or jif? Choosy mothers choose jif.
2: <laughs> OK, Randy. Old school. Fight time. Hopefully you bring that. <laughs> that Bart Scott can't wait energy to the fight because we're hoping that Ryan brought the large Newt Bar energy to the fight. Oh, yeah, definitely. So happy 32nd birthday to nine-time NBA All-Star James Harden. Mm -hmm. The beard was drafted number three overall out of Arizona State by which team in the 2009 NBA draft?
1: I believe he was in 2009 drafted by the Seattle Supersonics. Number two, MLB announced
4: the 2021 playoff season schedule yesterday. Game seven of the World Series scheduled to be November 3rd. Mm-hmm. If necessary, the latest since 2009. Mm-hmm. Who won the 09 World Series? That would
1: have been the New York Yankees.
2: Question number three. Uh, and by the way, yes.
1: that was not the first November World Series. Mr. November. After 9-11. After 9-11 was Derek Jeter. That's correct. Byung-Hung Kim had a rough World Series. Yes, he did. Yikes.
2: Number 3 You're right
1: ahead, of, uh, Michelle.
2: Thank you, Dan. Former St. Louis Rams head coach and Super Bowl champion Dick Vermeil. He's going to be our guest at 930 this morning. All right, DV. Can't wait. Can't wait. Bart Scott. <laughs> Vermeil had one college football head coaching gig. Where was it, Randy?
1: It was with the UCLA Bruins.
4: And question number four, since his first full season in 05, Yadier
1: Molina ranked second among catchers in war. Who was first in W.A.R. So since 05, who would have matched him in W.A.R., wins above replacement? I only have two guys on my mind here right off the top. One of them is Buster Posey, who's been around since 2010. And the other one is Pudge Rodriguez, who played later. But I am going to go with... Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with Buster Posey.
2: Is it Ryan or is it Randy? Emily, let him know.
1: Ring the
0: bell.
2: Go crazy,
0: folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight... Randy Carriker, the fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com.
2: Just win, baby. (sighs) Randy beat you, Ryan. I'm sorry. You know what? I'm not going to give you the first one. I'm going to say he beat you three to one because... (laughs) James Harden was drafted number 3 overall out of Arizona State by the Oklahoma City Thunder in okay, 2009. See. So technically, same franchise, but I think they were already the Thunder at that point. They oh, were.
1: You know what? Their last first-rounder in Seattle was Kevin Durant. That's yeah, right. That's
2: right. So you didn't get that one correct, even though you were on the oh, well, right path. It didn't,
1: wasn't it asked what franchise chose him?
2: It says what team.
1: Oh, what team.
4: Okay,
2: what that would have been What team? Telling. Three and a half. You got three and a half right.
4: Yeah, MLB four, announced the uh, playoff season schedule yesterday. Game 7 could be November 3rd. No nine, ended late. Yankees beat the Phillies.
2: Dan Furious, that Randy won today. Dick Vermeil had one college football head coaching gig. It was at UCLA, 1974 to
4: 1975. Beat Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Buster Posey is uh, first in war since 05. Yadier Molina is second among catchers in Major League Baseball. Randy won.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Ryan, for listening. Thanks for playing. Have a great day.
6: Thanks, guys. You too. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: Headset off. Dan is done.
1: <laughs> are you sad? Are you mad?
2: Come on. Leaving the studio. Look at what you've done, Randy, with your victory.
1: Come on, Dan. Coming up next, Jeremy Rutherford will talk some blues with
0: us. He is from The Athletic and he's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go.
1: And we head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Dan and Randy and Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic, our Blues insider, joins us. Uh, JR, first of all, it was good to see you yesterday as you covered the trial, uh, the, at least the hearing, the summary judgment hearing for the NFL against St. Louis. How are you doing this morning?
8: Yeah, real good, real good, yeah. A little bit uh, <laughs> out of my uh, job description yesterday down at the court case, but it was good to see you. And uh, you know what? Tell them listeners here. That's what makes you guys so good and your show so good is because not only are you in the studio from 7 to 10, but, you know, look at Randy's down at court yesterday. I've seen Michelle at a lot of Blues games. Dan is obviously at every uh, Cardinals game. So uh, you're down there in the mix. And I got to tell uh, Michelle and Dan yesterday, so we're sitting in this court case, and it's three or four hours of lawyers going back and forth. And I look over at Randy, and what's he doing? Scrolling the Cardinals box score. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> Seems about right, Jr.
1: Yeah. So, uh, Jeremy, let's start with this. You have a piece coming out. You talked to Oscar Sunquist, and we're looking forward to that. What did you glean from? What can you tell us about what's going on with Oscar Sunquist?
8: Yeah, Randy talked to him yesterday. Uh piece is not up uh, probably next week at The Athletic. And uh, Oscar Sunquist feels good again. Uh, you know, I think we, we knew that he had been bothered by a couple hip injuries. And I talked to him. He said one's been bothering him for about six years. The other one started about two years ago. But because the blues kept going deep every year, he really didn't have an option of having surgery in the off season. It doesn't bother him when he's on the ice; only when he's off it. So they just, you know, year after year, decided, hey, let's just rehab it and have you ready for the start of next season. And so that's what they've been doing. But since he uh, you know, inadvertently got knocked over by a Kyle Clifford and had his ACL torn uh, last season and missed the second part of the year, they decided to go in there and do the hips, too. So uh, he had the ACL surgery, had the hip surgery. He's going to miss the first part of the season. Don't know how long he'll miss, how many games, anything like that. Uh, but in talking to him, he said he feels like a new player again.
2: Jared, another piece that you had up about somebody who's been dealing with a lot over the past year is Jaden Schwartz. It was a really great piece, a really revealing piece about everything that he was dealing with last season after the death of his father. And I think I was just really surprised to learn how deeply he was suffering from an emotional level and that he even considered not playing.
8: Yeah, that kind of threw me. It really did. Uh, You're on the phone call with a guy that you've uh, covered, you know, since 2010 when he was drafted. And, you know, Jaden Schwartz over the years has been really private you know just you know Giving you some context here, I've tried to do some interviews with him in the past about his sister, and and I know that his dad just passed, so you know you got to give him some time. So you know I didn't really press that issue, but in talking to him about going to Seattle, I just lobbed out the question to him. You know, how do you feel about your last year, year and a half in St. Louis? And, and I try to let the player take it from there. If he wants to tell me, uh, you know, I've been inconsistent. I, I should have been better. Then you know that's that's his um, you know way of looking at. Things. But in this case, Jane Schwartz responded by, you know what, i got to be honest with you here, I almost didn't come back last year. And it just kind of stops you, like you almost didn't come back. And he said, no, between COVID, I wasn't able to train, and then I lose my father, Uh, and obviously the family had to come together in that time. I, I just wasn't in the right mental space to come back and start an NHL season. And so I think that when you look at his year, pretty inconsistent and at times uh, he didn't look like himself and and now he's opened up a little bit about what he was going through
4: JR is there a fit with Tarasenko and the Islanders can they make this thing work with the money and uh, the various obstacles that they have with this to try to pull off a, a deal and make a trade happen
8: Yeah, I I do think that they could make it work. I still think it comes down, Dan, to the number of things that we've uh, talked about. How much salary are the Blues willing to retain? And, you know, as I've heard for months, I've even heard it again recently that the Blues aren't willing to retain much. If any, and I think that's going to make a deal difficult with uh, a lot of teams, including the Islanders. I, I do think that the Islanders probably would like to take a flyer on Tarasenko at the right price in terms of uh, returning salary and in terms of maybe giving the Blues a player or a package uh, that they're looking for. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm obviously acknowledging that the interest in Tarasenko is limited. The number of teams that want to take on a player with that injury history and that money is not a long list. But I do believe the Islanders are one of those teams that if it could all work out, I think that's a possibility.
1: And, JR, along these lines, according to Cap Friendly, the Blues have about a million and a half dollars in cap space. And Robert Thomas is still a restricted free agent, and they haven't been able to sign him yet. It would seem to me, based on what he's made in the past, that the Blues would need to open up some cap space to be able to get Thomas under contract.
8: Yeah, so they're uh, a little under two, but if you take uh, Stephen Santini's contract off that payroll, it gets you to about 2.2 million in terms of uh, space that you'd have to sign Robert Thomas. That's without the Vladimir Tarasenko move. I gotta believe that Robert Thomas wants more than 2.2. In fact, you know, I think that he would want Jordan Cairo money. It sounds weird to say that after a couple of years ago, Thomas was the top guy, and Cairo was still trying to find himself, and now we're talking about Robert Thomas making Cairo money. That's 2.8 million. That's the AAV for Jordan Cairo after getting his deal done this year. Uh, So if you look at it that way, you know, there's a chance that Robert Thomas, if he doesn't get a deal done, perhaps he misses uh, the start of camp. So that's all tied, I believe, to uh, if they can free up that Tarasenko salary, then I think they could get Robert Thomas done. And to me, Robert Thomas is a unique contract situation, guys. Look, he's still 22 years old. He was part of that cup team. And although he hasn't taken that next step, he's still a first-round pick who's had a couple of pretty good seasons before he was banged up last year. So to me, he's going to get more uh, probably than uh, what the Blues have available, and they're going to have to find a way to free up that space.
1: And I get that holding out, Jr. would be a business move, but you mentioned he was banged up. If there's a guy that from a hockey perspective can't afford to hold out of training camp from the Blues, it's Robert Thomas. 100%
8: 100% he needs to be in there miss some time last year with the injury and, and plus he's still what third year going into his uh, fourth year and he's trying to claim his spot on this roster everybody talking about is he a potential top two line center and he could be but that's not going to be the case if he doesn't uh, come to camp on time and unfortunately you know you're not talking about a difference of a couple million dollars you know blues and, and Robert Thomas you're probably talking about a few hundred thousand dollars uh, in terms of where they would be separated on a contract so super important to get Robert Thomas in camp
2: camp on time jr i can't believe it's september next week but that means that camp is right around the corner outside of the questions surrounding vladimir tarasenko what's the biggest storyline for you heading into camp
8: Yeah, a couple of them. I think, uh, what do uh, Brandon Saad and Pavel Buchnevich bring to the Blues? Uh, Brandon Saad's in town skating with the team, you know, trying to get a feel for things, get a feel for the city. Uh, Pavel Buchnevich, you know, when we talked to him a month or so ago, he said he's more comfortable playing on the left side. I'm sorry, on the right side. Um, Do the Blues play him on that right side or do they find a spot on that left side? Uh, I know you touched on Tarasenko, but if he's still on this roster, what kind of ice time, what kind of role do they give him? You know, that, that comes to mind. And then something, Michelle, I wrote about uh, a week or so ago the defense. Look, those names that I just mentioned, Doug Armstrong retooled, upgraded the forwards, but not a lot done to the defense. Uh, they're counting on some of those young guys to come up, Nico Mikola and uh, Scott Perinovich, and, and give them a boost. But you lose Vince Dunn, and this is a defense. That gave up the most goals against per game last year since 2006. A team that's been built on defense, you know, for over a decade, and they struggled in that department last year and, and didn't do anything this off season. So, unless there's some sort of move before uh, training camp starts, to me, that's a, a big storyline is the Blues' blue line.
1: Chair, you mentioned Brandon Saad, and uh, these two hate my infatuation with numbers, but in speaking to a couple of players, they were kind of surprised that Brandon Saad took number 20. Are you surprised?
8: Yeah, a little bit, because he seems like a guy who, uh, you know, understands the game, understands the locker room, understands history. And that's not to say that because he took it, he doesn't understand those things. It's just that uh, Alexander Steen's a guy who probably doesn't get his number retired here in St. Louis, but it's certainly a number that sticks out when you see that number 20, you think Alexander Steen and a guy who has so much respect uh, just for everybody in the organization. So um, if, if he took it, you know, I got to believe that there was probably a conversation there, and, and Alexander Steen said, No problem, buddy, take it. I mean, that's the kind of guy Steen is, so I got to believe that there was probably a conversation there.
4: Guys back on the ice right now, uh, JR, and I'm assuming even uh, the guys from St. Louis playing uh, with other clubs, but uh, are you finding the guys are, are skating and, and getting things uh, starting to get after it before training camp here?
8: Yeah, Danny, when I talked to Gene Schwartz last year, you know, not only surprised that he wasn't, uh, you know, he was thinking about not playing last year, but uh, surprised to hear that he's going to be skating in St. Louis for a week or so. Um, and so when I spoke to him he said he would be on the ice with the guys uh, starting this week and then I talked to uh, Braden Chin and he said yeah guys are starting to trickle in and more and more guys and then of course you mentioned there's some guys who stay here year round so this week is really the week I think that uh, it starts to amp up a little bit in terms of uh, guys getting here, uh, guys getting a feel for things and then uh, we're just a couple weeks away for, from guys reporting to training camp and, and then that first preseason game on September 25th so kids are back in school and uh, my kids uh you know are probably happy that i'm going to be working a lot more and not around to grill them
4: are the <laughs> uh are the kachucks wearing blue sweaters when they're out there or, or what's
8: going on <laughs> that one never dies uh <laughs> you know we just talked about Robert Thomas, and you know, I know I'm joking there, but uh, Brady Kachuk is a restricted free agent without a contract, so he's got a situation in Ottawa uh, too. So, you know, I'm not saying that leads to a deal with the Blues, but uh, they got to get a deal done with Brady before they can get him back on the ice in Ottawa. And as you just kind of alluded to, Dan, I'm sure a Blues fans happy to get either one of those Kachuk guys in a Blues uniform.
1: Jr. Always great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it, and we will see you and talk to you soon. Yeah, we'll see you in court next time, Randy. <laughs> you bet, Jeremy. That's our Blues Insider from The Athletics, Jeremy Rutherford on 101 ESPN. Coming up, how excited are you that Yadi or Molina is coming back for a final season uh, going away tour in 2022? We'd like to see your text, six five seven eight Mic drops too, Randy. I and want to hear that yeah, too. Yeah, your Rhino Shield mic drops. If um, you have a strong feeling about Yadi coming back, if Yadi is one of your guys, we want to hear from you next
0: on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
5: Yachty put puts spots in the seats. <laughs> the end of the
1: day, who is Ed. That's Janet. Janet. She's one of the really passionate listeners to 101 ESPN. Is that the one
4: that they game. always play in the fast lane that yes. yells at
1: Brad? Yes, that's exactly <laughs> right. Amy I like Anthony. Janet. Your Tech 65780 Yachty signs for 2022. And after coming up in 2004, he has been the Cardinals regular catcher since 2005 and will have multiple records for the position and for the Cardinals. And we'll go to the Hall of Fame. And I I think it's cool that we do know that it's going to be a player's final year. We were able to experience that with Ozzie down the stretch in 1996. And I I like the idea of being able to say goodbye to a player. We did it with Lou Brock. Mm -hmm. We did it with Bob Gibson. Unfortunately, we weren't, at least the first time, able to do it with Albert. Maybe we'll be able to do it with with Albert, too. But I like the idea of a player knowing and us knowing that we can say goodbye.
2: And a player that's so deserving of it, so deserving of that goodbye, that farewell tour, that adoration—not only from Cardinals fans, night in and night out at Bush Stadium—but he's going to get it from opposing fan bases as well, which I think really speaks to the caliber of, of a player when the opposing fan bases want to make sure that they say thank you for everything that you've done for baseball, tip the cap to you, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what your Molina is. So I'm sure there'll be some booze mixed in there, but the booze are out of respect.
9: Yeah.
1: And we did have, by the way, the opportunity to say goodbye to Ty Wigginton. He just didn't know that he was on his farewell tour. We all did. That was emotional. For a lot of us. He got two years and five million bucks. I know, it was pretty good.
4: It's a hell of a (laughs) send-off. Especially in the first year of the deal. No kidding. That was a really good send-off for Ty. Um, All the reasons we talked about earlier... I don't think you're ever going to see a guy play 2,000 games with one team behind the plate. Now, you may see 2,000 games at a position, but with the free agency the way that it is and the fact that sometimes teams say goodbye to the player and the player says, you know what, I'm wanted at another spot and I'm going after the top dollar, uh, you just don't see that, much less see it uh, behind the plate. And you know what, now that uh, if Bueno comes back next year... I think they are 20 could be wrong about this, but 26 starts together away from setting the all time record of battery mates all time in baseball Mm -hmm. history. You're never going to see that again. Um, As we talked about earlier too, he is the guy that's been the face of this organization uh, for two decades. And for some fans that are younger listening, this is all they've known. Um, I think he gets a proper send off knowing that officially this is his final year. And I'm fine with it. I think it's great. And uh, I'm looking forward to what the final year offers. I really am.
2: Let's get to some tech, shall we? 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. From the 314, I don't know how you wouldn't be excited about Yachty's new contract. There's far too much negativity around him from certain fans. He's still clutch. He's still one of the best defensive catchers in the game. This guy has been with us for my entire baseball memory. He's baseball royalty. He's one of the best catchers ever. If this time he chooses to go out, then I'll miss him.
1: I never blame a player, and I know what you're talking about with the criticism of some. I don't blame the player for wanting to play all the time. That's a good thing. If a player is 38, 39 years old and playing in 140-degree heat and playing on a consistent basis, then that, to me, is on the team. If a player declines at the end of a season, an older player declines at the end of a season because he's worn out, that's certainly not never on the, the player. I don't expect... Yachty or any other player to go into Mike Schilt's office and say, I need a day. Because Yachty's that's just not in his DNA. We have a uh, mic drop, Emily, and this is uh, Lisa
4: on the mic drop.
2: I mean, as a Cardinal fan, how can you not love that we're going to be able to celebrate Yachty for a whole season? And actually, I think as soon as I can figure it out, I want to go to Cincinnati and be there when they air quotes, honor Yachty. So I was at the Derek Jeter game when he came to St. Louis, you know, when, on his farewell tour. It's a great year for Yachty, and he deserves it. I mean, how many awesome, awesome memories has that guy brought to us? So anyway, go Yachty.
1: And I would hope by the way, that baseball finds a way to get him into the all-star game in 2022. Mm -hmm. He's deserving of that. And all the accolades that Major League Baseball can afford him, he deserves.
4: Yeah, if if this one does not count, meaning the All-Star game, and it doesn't, and it's a showcase of your game, and it's supposed to be for the fans, then absolutely, mm-hmm. he should have another All-Star appearance, and I, I think Lisa brings up a really interesting point, something I had thought about. You, you know, inside the Central Division, it is very easy to drive and get to Chicago, Cincinnati, Milwaukee, and to see those final times mm-hmm. in those ballparks, and I do wonder if some fans would do that and say, you know what, it, it'd be kind of cool to see Yadi, we all want to watch him. And we can see him at Bush Stadium, but why not go on the road and see what kind of reception he gets? And I think that's a valid point.
2: Uh, from the 573, in a time where the business of baseball often takes precedence, it's great to see the human element come into play and benefit both Yachty and the Cardinals.
1: And I'll tell you what, I, I number one, John Moselock mentioned yesterday during the Zoom call that he and Yachty are good friends. He was part of drafting Yachty. Yep. And... There is no doubt. You you might look at Bill DeWitt as just a cold businessman. I, I would venture to say there's probably not a more emotionally tied-in owner in baseball than Bill DeWitt Jr. I don't look at him as emotionally cold. Now, I am privy to some
4: things that are never, ever, ever made public, and I understand that fans look at what you spend and what you don't spend and who you bring back and all that kind of stuff, and we can debate... Spending money by the way they do spend money yeah, We can do. debate how you spend it um, I've seen their family do Some remarkable things For people that will never ever Get talked about and to your Point Randy um, In my understanding the, the Pool hole situation has been one that um, By the way from a business decision was probably The best move mm-hmm. um, the 10 year Contract and what the production was for the Angels wasn't what maybe they expected But um, And and that's debatable, whatever. I can tell you, though, for him as a baseball fan and understanding the history of the organization and legacy and all those kind of things, man, that was tough on him. Mm -hmm. Very, very tough. And now that you have Yachty in the fold, he finishes with this ownership group as one guy that wears that uniform for 19 years and goes into the Hall of Fame as a Cardinal and no other team. And there is something to that. Mm -hmm. There's a matter of pride from an ownership standpoint that they made it work for 19 years. There's a lot to be
1: said for that. Let's get another mic drop. This is Mike on 101 ESPN. Am I
0: excited about Yachty returning? In the words of the immortal philosopher, Ric Flair. Woo! Oh, yeah. How about that? Yachty! 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 How about that? Excited.
4: Fired up. Good. Good. I I would think that if if you did a poll and people would be honest about it and said, you know, just watching him, even if he is a diminished player next year, are you still excited about watching him and making sure that he's your guy? I think most fans would say, absolutely. For sure. I want to see him here.
1: Yeah, go back to opening day, right? When the introductions were made. You can relay that story.
2: Yeah, I was um, at Ballpark Village uh, right outside of the stadium, obviously, on opening day. And I was just observing everyone as the Cardinals were getting announced because I really wanted to see the – reaction to nolan arnauto his first time being announced at a, at a home opener at bush stadium and people went crazy for him but then yadier molina is announced and people lost their minds yeah he is still the reason that a lot of people tune into the games and the reason that people go to the ballpark people love yadi
4: well i think to that point too michelle i think a lot of people will say if they have young kids we're going to go to the ballpark because you're going to be able to say that I watched number 4 play in person. Uh-huh. I watched I was able as a my mom or dad, I mean years from now took me down there and as a young boy or girl, I got to watch number 4 play. I saw that guy. Mm-hmm. And and that's where he's at. He's with Stan and Bob and Lou. And these greats, Ozzy, and you're going to say, and we're going to be 10 years doing this, and they're going to be saying, and I saw a Yachty, yep, I saw Albert, I saw Wano. And uh, there just aren't many people that come along along in a franchise that mean that much to the
1: franchise. And the Cardinals have those players right now. That is today's big thing Um on 101 ESPN. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls. Stick around.
0: One of the
1: reasons that when you golf with Dan McLaughlin, he gets 77s and 78s is because he can putt. And you can join the 101 Bomberito Street Fleet Friday from 6 to 8 p.m. That's tomorrow from 6 to 8 p.m. at Hot Shots South County for the Michelob Ultra Putter Challenge. It's a free-to-play indoor golf game where you can score prizes and win Mick Ultra Swag, plus your chance to win a trip for two to this year's Ryder Cup. Don't miss out tomorrow, 6 to 8 p.m. with 101 ESPN at Hotshots in South County. Get all the details on the Michelob Ultra Putter Challenge at 101ESPN.com. Come, it is time
2: for You're killing me, Smalls. So yesterday, I was scrolling through social media looking for stories, and a video popped out for me, and I wanted to bring it up to you guys. So ESPN has a 30 for 30 coming up. It debuts on September 14th and 15th. It's a four-part docuseries about the 1986 New York Mets. It's called Once Upon a Time in Queens. Have you guys seen the trailer for this yet?
4: Hold on. Start that. So what's that going to be on? On ESPN. Oh, ESPN. ESPN. It's It's a 30 30. for 30. Okay, gotcha. It's a
2: four-part documentary series. I'm
4: looking forward to that. And
2: there's been obviously a lot of things that have been said about that team, but 30 for 30s do such a great job of chronicling things and diving in and getting interviews. I can't wait for this. The trailer looks so good. They call it baseball and debauchery.
4: That is awesome. I uh, I had the opportunity to work with Preston Wilson, who won the world championship in 06 with the Cardinals. And his dad, Mookie Wilson, had the famous ground ball that went through Bill Buckner's legs. And I I wonder if they'll get into this, but... Mookie and and Bill became really close, really close friends. Like They would take family trips together. They'd go fishing together, um, which is just so unique. I mean, you have one guy's ground ball that turns into the play. And Bill Buckner was a really good player that is always remembered for the ball that goes through his legs. And I, I do wonder if they're – well, I don't wonder. I know they're going to get into that. But I wonder if they'll get into that relationship, how it uh, developed over the years. And I'll also be really curious about in Game 6, and we all have heard the stories of where – where was Keith Hernandez? I I know where he mm-hmm. was. He, I've talked to him about it. But they, they've talked to – or you've heard the legendary stories or the folklore stories of certain guys had basically gotten out of uniform. Some guys are back in the in the clubhouse drinking beer and and you know smoking a couple of uh, cigarettes. I mean that was kind of then back you know and yeah. it game's over we're we're done. Um, where was the champagne? Pulling off the 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 protective uh, trash bags, if you will, to make sure that things don't get all messed up with the champagne. I, I think that's going to be awesome. Be it's it, going to be
2: great. That's so the, great. The New York Post did a great breakdown of what to expect from every episode, and they said, in episode one, it opens with Keith Hernandez making the second out in the 10th inning of Game 6 of the World Series, and eventual hero Mookie Wilson smiling and saying, it was like we blew this thing, Within the rest of it, you probably saw the rest of it as his grounder trickling through Bill Buckner's legs is shown for the first time. So that's how they opened the entire thing. Wow.
1: And you talk about the debauchery, D- Daryl Strawberry would pick out females in the the crowd, they'd have a clubhouse guy go up and say, hey, you want to join Daryl down in the clubhouse between innings uh, or well, the, the Mets are batting? And they would. And he would just go down there and, you know, very quickly, obviously, uh, have a session and then move on to the field.
7: A session?
1: Yeah. Wow.
2: I wonder if they're going to get into stuff like that.
1: I, they have to. If they're going to talk about the debauchery, they have to get into that. Well,
4: y- you know, you think about the characters that were on that team. Keith Hernandez, Dwight Gooden, Daryl Strawberry, Howard Johnson, Gary Carter, Lenny Mookie Dykstra. Wilson, Lenny Dykstra. I mean, there are some some big personalities yep. that were on that team
1: and doing it in the biggest city in the world. Yep. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have guys like Ron Darling, who was yeah, you know, just a prince. It, it was a really interesting team. And by the way, as much as we hated them, uh, specifically Strawberry and Gooden, I found to be really likable guys. I, I enjoyed. Interviewing them and talking to them Uh, Wasn't as much of a fan Of yeah and you know who else was a nice guy Was Gary Carter but uh, Hojo And Wally Backman and and Dykstra could live Without Tuffle you didn't like Tuffle Uh, He was kind of a non-factor for me How about Sid Fernandez Sid Fernandez was fine how about Santana short he was fine (laughs) So Sid Fernandez after The uh, After the Mets Had traded for Kevin McReynolds Comes to spring training and I think he was talking to Keith, actually, and uh, points out and says, hey, that looks like Kevin McReynolds. And Keith says, yeah, that, that is Kevin McReynolds. He said, how we get him? He said, we traded for him at the owner's <laughs> meeting, at the winter <laughs> meetings. And so Sid Fernandez went back to Hawaii, didn't pay any attention to baseball during the offseason. And then comes back and, oh, we got Kevin McReynolds. That's pretty cool. Well,
4: speaking of the 86 team, which is obviously a famous team in baseball history, I thought it was great this weekend. Keith Hernandez at the Hall of Fame induction ceremony of the Cardinals, which I was so happy to see him finally get his just due way, way overdue. But he made a point to turn back to Whitey and... And pointed at him And and say thank you And how appreciative he was of Whitey Did the same thing with Ozzy And he also said the 1982 World Champion Cardinals are, Is the best team I ever played that on That really struck me, I was wow. shocked by that Yeah, it was pretty cool
2: One more quote from you guys. We mentioned the debauchery. So Mike Tyson is in this, and he says it was debauchery back then. Anything goes. New York was on fire in 1986 because we had the Mets. So if Mike Tyson is telling you how wild it was, I mean Mike Tyson, the fighter. Yes,
4: really. (laughs) Okay. I didn't think they'd get Mike Tyson in that documentary, but but fit him in. Why not? So it's a four-parter.
2: Four-parter. September 14th
4: and 15th. Wow, that, I'm gonna look forward to that one. Me too. That's a good one.
2: Yeah, we'll have to break it down on the show. I'm sure it's yeah. gonna be great. Yeah. You're killing me, Smalls. All right, some news out of the NFL. So Vic Fangio, the head coach of the Denver Broncos, announced yesterday that the quarterback battle has been settled and Teddy Bridgewater came out on top and the Mizzou product, Drew Locke, is going to be the backup. But Teddy Bridgewater, now the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos, officially.
1: This morning, Mark Schlereth, who covers the Broncos in Denver, joined Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, minus uh, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, And he said that this will be good for Drew Locke. Being able to sit behind Teddy Bridgewater and watch how an NFL quarterback does it, he said, will be a huge benefit. He said that he never learned at Mizzou how to run a pro offense. And that this is something that should have happened for Drew Locke at the beginning of his career and didn't. And so he thinks that Drew Locke's still going to be fine.
2: Might be beneficial for him to not have the pressure. But just... As of right now, on the surface, even if that does come to fruition, it seems like yet another missed quarterback for the Denver Broncos.
1: It looks really bad. It looks for, bad for them. And actually, when you look at Mizzou, when you look at what happened with Blaine Gabbert, mm-hmm. who probably got rushed, Andrew Locke, yeah, not great. Yeah,
2: but you have Chase Daniel, legend, he's still,
1: still going. Legend. I'm not going to say it's because playing. he didn't have to play.
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But <laughs> how
2: much money has he collected? How many checks has he cashed?
1: Nearly forty million. It's
2: really it's impressive. Awesome. Pretty good. You're killing me, Smalls. And then one more note, you guys, something that we already knew would happen. The Jacksonville Jaguars, their head coach, Urban Meyer, finally announced what everyone expected. Trevor Lawrence, the first picked in the the 2021 NFL draft, he's going to be the Jags' week one starter. So there was some talk maybe with Travis Etienne out for the season and what we've seen out of the Jags' offensive line of maybe sitting Trevor Lawrence and protecting him, but that's not the case, and he'll be under center for the Jags' week one.
1: Pretty gutsy move. I would rather send Gardner Minshew to the Wolves, but they're going to send Trevor Lawrence to the Wolves. That can be dangerous because guys can get Mm shell-shocked.
4: But uh, you would have to have great faith in him and that he is a different animal, if you will, if you're going to be able to do that. So that's why... That's why you're number 1
1: pick, but you got to be careful with it too. Absolutely. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. Coming up, Dick Vermeil is the Hall of Fame coaching finalist for 2022. We'll visit
0: with St. Louis's coach next on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It is
1: my great pleasure to thank you for all you've done for the game, coach. And to inform you that this uh this great Uh, Committee has selected you as the coach's nominee for the class of 2022 as the finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And should you receive the 80% of the votes, you will become part of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Pro Football Hall of Fame President David Baker making the call to St. Louis's coach Dick Vermeil on Tuesday. Michelle and I had the chance to visit with Coach when Isaac Bruce went into the Hall of Fame three weeks ago. And joining us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line is the Hall of Fame finalist, Dick Vermeil. Coach, good morning. It's great to have you with us, and congratulations. How are you doing?
3: I'm doing fine, thank you. Obviously, I'm very excited and and uh, just sort of overwhelmed by the whole thing. Yesterday was a Fun day. Got a lot of calls and emails and text messages and talked to a lot of friends and former players and coaches. So it was a real nice day.
1: Yeah, Coach, with as often as you talk to your players and you communicate with your former players and former assistants, was there a moment where you weren't talking to somebody over the last couple of days?
3: Yeah, we had a break or two. We're here in the Napa Valley just getting started with our harvest and uh, spending time also with family. and uh, But uh, I definitely had a lot of fun talking to people have been, in career, have been involved in my career. Yeah.
2: Well, Dick, we got to see the video of David Baker making the call to you when he was informing you that you were, in fact, one of the finalists for the Hall of Fame. And it was a special thing for us to see. I believe you were at the airport when you got the call. And can you take us back to that moment? What What was going through your head when you heard David Baker on the other end of the phone?
3: Well, Carol and I were walking uh, away from just getting off the airplane, and we were about you know fifty yards off the plane, half a football field. And all of a sudden, my phone rings, and uh, I, it says, "Hello, it's David Baker, uh, uh, Coach meal And I'm I'm not calling you to buy a case of wine. Didn't we go on from there? You no, know, it startled me. You know, I really wasn't emotionally prepared for that. I was I knew I was in the hunt. But in my my mind, I I didn't think I would get the nod. So I really wasn't prepared for getting a positive nod. So it startled me. It really did. I was standing close to the wall, you know, rather uh, close to the wall. And I leaned back and put my shoulders against the wall. I said to Carol, I've been nominated for the Hall of Fame. You know, she's first thing she says, well, you deserve it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you do. Coach, you've had so many players and assistants that have gone on to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and and you've been there multiple times. What would it mean for you to get elected on the Saturday before the Super Bowl?
3: Well, I think it would be very humbling. Uh, You know, I just – I'm so aware of how many people – have been involved in my career that put me in a position uh, to go to the Hall of Fame. You know, and I, I would like to believe, I, I think I feel that, you know, all you guys are going in with me. All you people in our Ram organization, our Eagle organization, and our Chief organization are going with me. And, I, and, I, and all you guys that have passed on, God, I hope you know uh, that I'm thinking about you and thanking you as well.
2: As you think back on your career coach, is there one thing that you're the most proud of?
3: Well, I would say, yeah, my relationship with the people I've worked with and the players I've coached, the coaches I've coached with, the ownership uh, you know I've worked with and the people in the buildings, you know yeah like we were all together for Isaac's Hall of Fame event and also Harold Carmichael's Hall of Fame event, and those events become a reunion. A, a reunion of people that care about each other and enjoy seeing each other and, and telling stories and drinking a glass of wine and laughing and crying. And, you know, we've been through all those emotions and that. Uh, that's I, I think that's exactly how I look at it,
1: yeah. Coach, I, I saw an NFL Films video in, in which you made the point that you were also really proud of the fact that you got players to do things that they didn't think they could do. And obviously, we had DeMarco on this show for a long time, and I asked him about it. And I, I've asked several other of your players about it, Mike Jones and it is remarkable because they all agree that they did things while Dick Vermeil was their coach that they didn't think they could do. How did you do that?
3: Well, I think if they you develop their trust and they know you care about them and you're doing it to help them be all they can be and collectively we could all be a positive you know, winning football team, I think they buy in. If they don't trust you and they think your motives are a little different or selfish, then it doesn't work that way. And, uh, and also, it's the selection of the type of people you keep around you. You know, more often than not, the people that were around me were wonderful people, and all they needed was somebody to, to coax them a little bit.
2: Coach, you said that when you got the call from David Baker that you were a little bit startled. But when you were in Canton for Isaac's induction weekend, did you hear anything that this might be coming? Because Randy and I would speak to several people that would say, we've got to get Coach Meal in. We we think there might be a groundswell. We've got to get Coach Vermeule in. So I'm just wondering if anyone said anything like that to you while you were in Canton or if you had any sort of indication that this may be coming.
3: Yeah, I did. Uh, You know, I knew I was in the finals because uh, we were walking into the gold jacket awards uh night on friday night and as we walk into the stands dave baker was there leaning over helping another person Uh, gil brandt actually was sitting in a wheelchair and he saw me and he looked up over his shoulder and says yeah something like you're going to be next coach something like that (laughs) i I, I did i just nodded and kept on walking (laughs) never anyway I'm I'm in the finals and and that's usually a very positive thing and I'm very appreciative
1: uh, Dick Vermeil with us on 101 ESPN. Coach, a couple of more things. Number one, Leonard Toes gave you your start in the NFL. Georgia Frontier brought you back. I know that your great friend Lamar Hunt brought you back as well with Kansas City. And you took over three moribund franchises. The Eagles hadn't won for 25 years. The Rams had the worst record of the decade. The Eagles or, or the Chiefs, rather, were down when you got there. Did w- with your style? Do you think it might have worked to your advantage? Maybe that you were going into franchises. that that we're down?
3: Well, you know, Randy, I I really think if I had a choice to take over a team that had been winning for 10 years or for losing for 10 years, I'd rather take the team that's been losing. I think they're easier to convince what they were doing was not working because the facts pointed out and there are new ways to do it and new ways to communicate, new ways to work. And that's what we're going to do together. And we're going to handle the adversity of losing until we start winning. You know, and I'm proud of the fact our third year, we won 30, 73% of the games in my career, but it took, you know, it took two losing years to get there.
1: Yeah. And, but a lot of hard work too. It was the losing years, oh, yeah. but there was a means to
3: an end. Yeah, no question. You know, you can't do it anyway, that way anymore. Everyone is restricted by the the players' union and the amount of time you're allotted on the field, the amount of time you can wear shoulder pads, the amount of time you can have double days. That's all controlled now. It's not controlled by the individual coach. So I think it's tougher to do that today.
1: Hey, one more thing. And uh, you were always a guy that – you care about what people think. I, I remember when th- that one guy sent you a letter here in St. Louis, and you brought him in to just show him a day at Rams Park. Right? He said he was going to give up his season tickets. You you brought him in to sh- say, "Here's what we're doing here," and that showed me, hey, Dick Vermeil really cares about people. I would have to believe well, that you love the fact that that part of what you are, not only as a coach, but as a human being, is being recognized. There's so much respect for Dick Vermeil, the human being.
3: Well, thank you, Randy. You know, I received that letter from the gentleman who was giving up his season tickets, and he was very critical of the Rams. I mean, very critical. And he was nice enough to put a phone number on it. So I called him. And it startled him, and I invited him to come to a Saturday night meeting at the hotel the night before a game and sit in on the meetings just to prove to him these were great kids trying to get better, working hard. They weren't loping, out drinking beer every night. They want to become winners. And uh, he left there very impressed and became a real, real solid Ram fan.
1: And... I would hope and I would think that he kept his season tickets for
3: 99. <laughs> I think he also was interviewed a number of times after that because the story got out about it. And uh, anyway, uh, it, I think it sent a good message to a lot of people.
1: Hey, Coach, we are so excited, and I've mentioned this to you before, and Dan and I were just talking about how you came to town a year after Tony La Russa, Joel Quenville in the same time, who's also going to go to the Hall of Fame as a coach uh, in the National Hockey League. He came to town about the same time as you, and I've covered a lot of Hall of Fame leaders. I've never been around a better leader than Dick Vermeule, and I'm so happy for you, yeah. and I can't wait, to, for A, for the election, and B, to be in Canton with you next summer.
3: Well, Randy, those are that's a wonderful comment compliment, and I appreciate it very much. And I hope it's true. Thank you. Yeah. Hey,
1: have a great time with the harvest, and uh, I recommend to everybody, as you know, uh, if you're going to get wine, go to vermeilwines.com and get your Vermeal wine because it's as good as it gets. Thank
3: you very much, Randy. Take uh,
1: care. You too, Coach. Thank you. Uh, one of my all-time favorites. One of my all-time favorite people is Dick Vermeil. And think about this. Think about how dysfunctional that organization was. Before and after Dick Vermeil, yeah. Think about the three years of Dick Vermeil with the St. Louis slash Los Angeles Rams, and Michelle, we're still hearing things about what a mess that organization is. For him to take that organization to where they went as a championship team is absolutely remarkable.
2: But that just shows what a great leader he is and how he has a a clear vision of what needs to be done. And everyone respected him enough to listen and defer to him.
1: Yeah. And how about the the great story of the guy who sent the letter?
2: I can't believe that.
1: So was that you? No, it was not me. No. You had your tickets. You were getting. I I had my tickets and I saw what was happening. I, I tried to be rational in trying to point out what I thought, what I saw was happening. And uh, as it turned out, because he would tell us every day that he was right and I was right because he was right. But he, he wanted it out there. He wanted to show people what the process was, that it wasn't going to be an event. When, when 99 happened and they started off 6-0, that was not just an overnight success. That was three years of really hard work that he and they put in. Um, Can I put you on the spot? Yeah. All right. So
4: here's a texter, and I have thought this many, many times. 314 says, probably not appropriate to ask in the interview, Mm -hmm. but I'd be interested to hear his thoughts on the Crocky situation, given his care for people and fans. He really enjoyed his time in St. Louis, right?
1: Yes. Appreciated the fan base? DV, yeah. Yeah, totally. What do you think he thinks of all this? He doesn't like the fact that we don't have a team, but he's... He cares about people, even people that don't do really good things, like Stan Kroenke. And Stan Kroenke was his boss. But there is one of the things I love about Coach Vermeule that I wish I could do, but I can't, is he doesn't have a mean bone in his body. Yeah, And so if somebody does something untoward or unfair, he's not going to talk about it. He's not going to denigrate those people like I do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, he is such a nice person. But one thing from Canton Dan that Randy and I kind of experiences and talking to a lot of members of that team, they don't like that they don't have a home. And they talked constantly oh, yeah. about how great the fans were in St. Louis and what that dome was like when they would play here and they were good in, in that season and the season after.
4: In, in a way, it puts them in a bad spot. So they, they go in as you know, wearing that Ram uniform or associated with them, um, where if if you're the player, your earnings potential, potentially... Is could be done through an organization with signings, appearances, all those kind of things. If you're looking for more of the attention, the money, the the different things that come along with being a Hall of Famer, but so I I don't know if you really want to torch the organization that gave you the shot, even though that they're not here. It's it's kind of a fine line. I mean, you're in you're in a tough spot. You
1: know you know what I'm saying. And what Isaac did, and I thought he did it best. You don't torch the organization, but you do lift up the community yeah. that yeah. was left. Dan, Michelle, Randy, 101 ESPN, we're going to head down the stretch. And we've got some dead and company tickets to give away coming up as we cross things over with Danny towards Danny Mack
0: and BK on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
8: Good morning, Randy, Michelle, Dan. I just wanted to thank you all for the fine job you do. In 2020, I got COVID. It messed up my heart and my heart rhythm. And then uh, the restaurant that I worked for fired all 18,000 people in March. That left me at home. Without you all being on the air and listening, I really don't know that I wouldn't have gone crazy. And I just wanted to thank you all. It's really great to hear you all and be able to think and converse with you. Thank you very much. That's
1: what it's all about. And we thank you very much for the mic drop because that's extraordinarily meaningful. And it, ultimately, that's why we're in the business, to make people hopefully have better days. And We're thankful that you were able to work through this and get to where you are so that you're getting in touch with us. But, Dan, I know when you do games, it's the same thing. It's for – there are people that need Cardinal baseball, and it's nice to know that – Good, bad, different, Right. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to have a a mic drop like that where people – we're we're a necessity. We're kind of like a a utility. I never – well, I've always felt – not to get too sappy
4: here, but I do look out at the ballpark every time at home, especially, and look out at the fans—good, bad, and different fans in the stands—and just say, you know, I'm I'm very lucky to do something I love, do it in my hometown. But um, during 2020, I thought about it more than ever when people were stuck at home, especially the elderly or those that had. Um, existing conditions where they just did not go out and their only outlet was was baseball i heard from a ton of people man that's that's what they had so yeah it's been a tough year and I, i think when we look at the crowds at the ballpark uh now certainly you can look at the team has not performed to expectations that's easy at times it's been a boring team june was a terrible month but i think we still have to remember that uh people don't come out because it's 120 out there's covid um, And the crazy thing that's been with, uh, I'm going off on a separate thing here, the crazy thing is the Cardinals are in the top six or seven of tickets sold since they went to 100% capacity. Mm. But what it tells you is that people aren't coming out because of a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. And as you pointed out, Michelle, and it's right, this is not just solely what's happening here in St. Louis. This is across the board. Yeah. Yeah. In in Major League Baseball And you know There's still a lot of people That are dealing with What's happening with COVID And let's face it too um, You know A lot of people Have been hit financially To yeah. come out to the ballpark And mm-hmm. we can't forget that like So you. Yeah you know it's very important to remember that it is it's just a sport, just a game, and it's
1: supposed to be entertainment hey one o one e s p n has your chance to win a free pair of tickets to Dead and Company on September thirteenth at Hollywood Casino amphitheater tickets for the show on sale now, but we've got a pair for you. You can also find a bonus chance to win free tickets for Dead and Company right now at one o one espncom and on your one o one mobile app. Today's question is, as Yadier Molina heads down the stretch of his career, he said that he's excited about having a going-away tour and mentioned one city in particular first. What city was the first one that he mentioned about being excited to get booed by their
4: fans? By the way, Randy uh, posed this question, did a little dig in here. So you said... Three Hall of Fame coaches in one city at the same time. Yep. So you had Dickie V.
1: Let me give a number for textures, by the way. Okay. Texture number Sorry. 29. Uh, texture number 29 gets the dead and company tickets. If you can t- name the city that uh, Yadi wants to hear from first. Okay. Okay. So at one point in time,
4: you had Dick Vermeil, You had Coach Quenville, who's headed to the Hall of Fame. And you had Tony LaRusso, mm-hmm. who is in the Hall of Fame. And then we started thinking, man, how many... How many good players were around in St. Louis with those franchises from 96 through 2000? And may, we might miss some here, but... Um, and this is a five-year period, 96, 97, 98, 99, 2000. Right. So the Cardinals had Ozzy, His final year was 96. Eckersley was in 96. He had Tony La Russa. On the outside, looking in was McGuire, mm-hmm. and despite the, the various things that happened with him, he would be in the Hall of Fame. I don't think we're missing anybody with baseball. I'm a little surprised that there's not more Me than too. that. Those are we got to be missing teams. somebody. Not miss, wait, we're not missing anybody? I don't think so. Okay. The interesting one, and remember when Joel Quinville, and I was doing the Blues at that time, he was bringing in anybody that had cup experience or had won he was bringing in Hall of Famers. Keenan was. Uh, yeah. Mike Keenan, excuse me. So you had Hull, you had uh, Al McInnes, you had Chris Pronger, you had Wayne Gretzky, you had Glenn Anderson, you had Grant Fuhrer, Dale Um I thought Stasny, but Stasny was ninety four, ninety five. Mm-hmm. So that uh, left him on the outside he, looking in. Is
1: it Tekanen in the Hall of Fame? He was here for a minute, but I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer. I'll check it. Then football-wise, you had Kurt. Marshall, Orlando, Isaac
4: on the outside looking in. D.V. Dicky V. Uh, Tory Holt, and I would think London Fletcher is going to get um, <laughs> a good shot. So if you add it up, let's see: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. That's fourteen. Fourteen Hall of Famers that came through St. Louis at that point in time in, in the, the various sports. Period? Yeah. Wow. Pretty good. Yeah, that, that's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, that was uh, that was fun. Yeah, it was a fun time. And that's why we were the best sports city in America, according to the Sporting News. I think they
4: were supposed to get McGuire on that cover. Yeah. And then Jimmy Edmonds stepped up to do the cover
1: and you had Kurt Warner and you had Chris Pronger. I don't think Mark was feeling well that day and decided to not walk the 50 feet, even though you had Warner and Pronger making their way to the ballpark to do the picture. For me,
4: the most dominant season I have ever seen on the ice was Chris Pronger when he won the MVP. I can't think of a time that now I never saw Mario Lemieux in his prime in terms of seeing him every day. Obviously saw him on TV. Same thing with Gretzky. Same thing with Orr. But I never saw a more dominant stretch of hockey than what Chris Pronger did. He was unbelievable. He's playing 30 minutes a night and controlled everything. There was nobody getting past him. Nobody doing anything offensively when he was on the ice. And then he played special teams. He was incredible.
1: Here's a tweet from Al McInnes. Said, Some pretty good defensemen wore the blue notes in 67, but none better than number 44. When Prongs was at his best, I would argue no one had a better all around game. Wow. The last two D men to win the Hart Trophy were number 44 in 2000 and number 4 in 1972, obviously, Bobby Orr. Need I say more? There you go. That's Al McInnes,
4: okay. Hall of Famer. Yeah he uh, th- that season that he had in which he won the hart trophy was the most dominant season i've ever seen on the ice yeah. it was unbelievable it was amazing all right so we're coming up on uh, danny mac and yes, bk sir. uh let's see matt caps will be our guest he is a former pirate re- uh, reliever we'll get a little uh, preview into what's happening with the uh, the Cardinals and the Pirates, talk about yesterday's win at the ballpark and uh, also all the
1: news and notes around Major League Baseball and coming we'll, up. We'll see you tonight on Valley Sports Midwest, 5.30 pregame show. Great job by our producer-engineer Emily Butcher. Thank you. Thank you. Michelle, this was fun.
2: It was. I'll see you guys tomorrow.
1: Absolutely. And we thank you for tuning in, texting in, being a part of the show for all of us. Until tomorrow morning at
0: 7, have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the character and Smallman Podcast, powered by iPromise.